This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Once again, this is Jeff Simpson filling in for Dr. Matt, who is away on a speaking engagement, I believe. And uh, don't despair. He'll be back soon. We have a wonderful, wonderful show to you. First of all, way to go making it to Friday. That is a big accomplishment. It's tough. Whereas I, you know, turned around and all of a sudden it was Friday, I'd feel like I didn't do much. But uh, I never understand what happens to the week. Time flies by so fast. I'm joined here by Terry South, our wonderful producer, as well as Cole Wissinger. And if you live in Guam, good job making it to Friday. Oh, yes, absolutely. Oh, dear. Wow. The the government in Guam is like, no, don't panic, <laughs> but here's a handy little pamphlet on what to do just in case there's a nuclear blast. Yeah. Don't look into the blast, and they teach them, they're teaching them how to like tape up their windows and seal their house off just in case there's an attack. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, don't panic. Well, Speaking of not panicking, don't panic if on August 21st you look out the window or you're outside and you look up at the sun. Don't do that. Oh. But don't panic if you do. Just don't look at it for very long. Don't look at it. At all. I'll have some information later. Don't look at it. Okay. And there's, I I think there's, we've got our first guest here that's going to be talking about this as well, right? Yeah, the event of it, yeah. Okay. I don't know about the safety end of it. He'll probably just say, don't look at it. Okay. (laughs) But I want to. No, don't. Unless you have like some glasses that you didn't get from Amazon. And speaking of not panicking, I always, there's always like a slight moment of panic when you're on the news or when you're watching the news Mm. and you see like a breaking news story or you see an emergency, you know, a national emergency. And uh, I, I'm sure you're going to be talking about this in a minute, but I, I had a moment of panic. I thought maybe President Trump was going to pull the trigger on some of these threats that he's been making. No. But uh, it's something else. I'm not sure if you're going to mention it or not. Maybe not. Something with opioids? Oh, sure. Okay. he's He's got that in the bag. Um, we also, uh, later up on the show, we've got screen cleaning coming up. It's a big show. We've got Neil Harmon, who's going to be our guest in the studio here today, talking to us about his, uh, his company and what they do. And, uh, I'm, I'm an avid fan of VidAngel and I know there are varying opinions on that, but we're going to get more into that during the third hour of the show today. Before we get to all of that, though, let's head over to Terry South and find out what's going on around the rest of the country. Terry, what's up? Uh, President Trump used Twitter this morning to warn that the U.S. is ready to go to war with North Korea. Military solutions are now fully in place, locked and loaded, should North Korea act unwisely, he wrote. Hopefully Kim Jong-un will find another path. Meanwhile, the United States and South Korea are preparing to stage a 10-day joint military exercise involving tens of thousands of troops on land, sea, and air. The drill comes as North Korea has threatened to fire missiles at Guam. The exercises were long planned for the end of the month and will run from August 21st to the 31st. They're also the exact thing that North Korea has asked them to stop doing Hmm. because their fear is they're going to be invaded and then you put all these extra troops practicing militarily right on their border. Another path, though, I wonder what that other path would be. Not launching missiles. Okay. I just thought you meant, like, just shoot it somewhere else. Well, they have plenty of options. Okay. 
(laughs) But they possibly could. Beijing indicated today that it would not come to North Korea's aid if their reclusive regime instigates a fight with the U.S. Smart. But that it would get involved if the U.S. strikes first. Ooh. Okay. So they'll go to defend their neighbor, but they're not going to defend them if they attack us. But the last thing they want is any sort of unrest in North Korea because then they feel people will just start moving north into China and they don't need, you know, mass migration coming yeah. from the country. So China's, China's in and out of the situation and sort of in. Is this just... Trying not to... I mean, no, no, no. is this being escalated a little bit by the media to the point where, you know, it's... We're being scared a little for dramatic emphasis or for sensationalism. When, or do you think it's very real? When CNN starts showing mushroom clouds on TV, yeah, I think it might be a little a little hyped up a little bit. Okay. All right. <laughs> I mean, you could be concerned, but there's no reason to start throwing mushroom clouds and talking about duck and cover type things, you know, type I'm just saying, processes. We have a big backyard. I'm wondering if it's if it's time to start uh, and, investing in a bunker of some sort. I'll get to that okay. <laughs> next hour. I have a story about bunkers. Okay. But there's just this idea that we could go to war over Guam. Yeah. That would that could that could instigate this whole thing is Guam. Wow. And then you have a you'll need another Jimmy Kimmel segment out on the street asking people to point where is tell Guam? Me where Guam is and they yeah. won't know where Guam is. So Oh, just settle down. Just everyone ratchet it back down a little bit. That's all we need here. A federal judge ordered the State Department to keep looking for emails Hillary Clinton wrote about the 2012 attack for the U.S. diplomatic compound in Benghazi, Libya. The State Department found 348 Benghazi-related messages or documents after searching through roughly 30,000 messages Clinton had sent on her personal email account during her four-year tenure as Secretary uh, U.S. District Court judge, however, ruled that since the department had not searched its own official systems, it had not done enough work to try to track down all messages regarding the attack, which killed four Americans, including the U.S. ambassador to Libya. Do you so, think they'll ever leave poor Hillary alone? No, but I mean, there is a point here. They look through her messages, but they didn't look in the State Department messages. Aha. Uh-huh. Right? So there's more areas to look that are, that are legit, legit. They're the State Department's computers. Look in them. Why not? Don't forget to look through the spam folder, too. Could be. Who knows? Maybe someone has a Yahoo account they forgot about. I think there's something about standing in this area where Matt normally stands. Because, yeah. I mean, he usually has a coughing fit. I'm having a sneezing fit. It is true. Um, let's see. Transportation Security Administration, otherwise known as the TSA, yes. said it has confiscated a record number of guns from carry-on bags during the last week of July. Oh, boy. TSA discovered a record 96 firearms over the last week in carry-on bags around the nation. The previous record of 89 firearms was set last month. So, hey, we're on an upward, upward tick on the, on the records here, right? Do we, is the message not out yet? I mean, has, not, has everybody not hey, received the message yet that you don't is, carry on firearms? This is America, Matt. Okay. As Matt has talked about, this is America. Sheesh. We have opportunities. We can exercise those opportunities. They need to stop at the airport, but people, as you're saying, aren't getting that message. So. Or they're just, yeah, I wonder if when they are at the screening process, if they are just playing dumb. Oh, you can't bring a gun on the well, plane? as oh. it says, of the 96 firearms discovered, 85 were loaded, 26 had a round chambered. Aha. Uh-huh. Although the... Although gun laws vary by state and locality, TSA uh, said travelers who bring firearms through airport checkpoints can be arrested and fined up to $11,000. The airport with the most confiscated guns? Any guesses? 
Uh, I'm going to say uh, it's either New York or some state in the south. Dallas-Fort Worth? Atlanta. Oh, we were we were there. Yeah, you got the south. Ten guns. Wow. Sheesh. In addition to nearly 100 guns, TSA found a variety of other weapons, including an inert grenade inside the shoe of a checked bag. The TSA reminds passengers not to bring grenades to airports. You know, it's funny because my last family vacation, <laughs> I was thinking, you know what? Uh, the one thing I forgot to bring on this family vacation was Extra my shoes. gun. You're like, oh. <laughs> with the grenade inside. Honey, yeah. did I remember the grenade? I'm not sure. Should we go back? You know, it's that kind of thing. <laughs> I don't know. I just love the, the at the end it says, we're just reminding you to not bring grenades to the airport. Wow. Which needs to be said apparently. My goodness. And finally, a mother questioned why the great American solar eclipse event could not be held, uh, what, in the school holidays prompting waves of vertigo. Basically, she was questioning why um, the the eclipse will happen on the first day of school. Yeah, right. that that date's not going to work o- for me. August twenty first is the first day. It's the first day of school for my son. Yeah, first day of school in Dallas, apparently. Mm-hmm. So she, they're having this event at a uh, museum in Dallas, and her her kids' class are going is going to this event. Right? It's a. I mean, it is kind of a. It'll happen again, but it'll be years and years down the sure. road. It's a, it's an event. It's a once in a lifetime event for many of pe- many yeah. people. Yeah, especially. You're in school. You can focus the day on science, and this is why it's happening. And yeah. you know, kind of teach these kids a lesson. And the mom's questioning, why does it have to happen on a school day? Can't we move <laughs> this to a different time? And um, mm. she was, can't this be done on the weekend? Why does it have to be done like on a Monday? What's yeah? Who do I need to talk to? Can we reschedule this thing? It says as one, uh, and she put this on. It was on Facebook, obviously, mm-hmm. right? so everyone gets to comment. Oh, uh, as one user put it, did this lady just ask us to reschedule the sun? That that was one <laughs> less um, one of the less mean spirited responses. It's social media. Oh yeah. Course. One man wrote, "It's all good, everyone. I just got my time machine fixed. You can reschedule it for whenever. I'll just go see it yesterday." <laughs> the 2017 solar eclipse will pass through 14 states. Uh, well, the the full, complete, totality eclipse through 14 states. Yes. The rest of the nation will see anywhere from 75% to 90% of an eclipse, depending on where you're at. Um, so it's the first total solar eclipse to hit the U.S. since uh, 1979. And she's where again? What? She's in Dallas. Okay. So I I'm guessing that we can't reschedule it, but maybe... We could probably get the sun to just skip over that state. Possibly. We could try. Just during the school hours. <laughs> you know, nothing happens the first day of school anyway. No. So why wouldn't you? Who cares? Yeah. Teachers aren't giving out assignments. They're just Talking about expectations you, for the year. Yeah, so you just get go the do syllabus. Else. They tell yeah. you where you're sitting. And that's about it. My boys' school apparently has uh, invested and uh, purchased solar glasses so that yes. the kids can go out and look at this happen you know it's it happens it'll be over like what a 20 minute period so i mean even during the school day it'll just be a, a small period of time and hopefully they didn't just get them in some dark alley from no. some guy named stan hopefully they got some quality quality equipment there but yeah i, I was looking at it like well we c- my wife and i were talking about what should we do should we like emphasize this with the bo- i mean but he'll be at school there's nothing i can do about it i mean we could take him out of school they said you could pull your kid from school it'll be it'll be listed as an excused absence right on the first day of school if you want to go see the eclipse yourself really but uh are you serious yeah because people will pull their kids wow it's an event go see this 
But at the same time, I'm like, you'll have this whole education sort of framework with your kid at school. Why not let your kid experience that? So, um, and that's just me kind of being lazy because I don't even know if I'm going to walk out of my house to see this. Can Don pull us, or is this going to be after we are finished with the show? It's between like 10 and 11 locally here. So, okay. Eastern time, it's like between noon and one, I think, somewhere through there. Okay. Well, I have all these questions for our guests. And it'll it'll just look like an overcast day. Yeah. Which I really enjoy. And I never go out to look when it's overcast. So why would I look when the... And you can't really look at it either. So... Unless you have the glasses, there's no point in going out and trying now, to stare at it. Now, is this going to be like Indiana or uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, where if we look at it, our faces are going to melt off? Could be. Could be. And in Guam, if a bomb is dropped, you're not supposed to look at the flash. That was another... Really? That's, the government told the people that also. In there, don't worry, this isn't going to happen, but just in case... Okay, but do get into a 1970s refrigerator. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Hey, a lot of people have beef with that movie. I don't think it's any less ridiculous than any of the others. And at the time um, that that movie was supposed to be taking place, and this is in the Indiana Jones, the, yeah. is it the Crystal the Skull? The Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. So he jumps into this fridge during a, a blast, a test blast in Nevada, and uh, – they were just teaching people to duck and cover anyways <laughs> under their desks. So, I mean, at least he tried, right? Yeah. I Again, I, it's no different than him jumping out of an airplane and using a an inflatable raft as a parachute. Right. So, yeah. Which I've been told works. Really? No. Oh. You know, uh, the maybe, meat- maybe if he tried to land in it. Well, that's That'd what he did. More, well, I know, but they as, were as they a were parachute. inflating it. They were inflating it as they were falling, and they landed on the snowy mountainside. Yeah, and we're we're expected to believe that they keep, all just keep survived. that keep that in the movies. It's fun. See, I'm much more likely to uh, believe the nuke in the fridge because that's just more creative, in my opinion. Anyway, a good way to get people to do something you don't want them to do is to tell them not to do it. So, don't look at the solar eclipse, and don't look at the blast. Now you're going to do it, aren't you? Anyway, speaking of the solar eclipse, when we return, we are going to be speaking with... uh, with a professor who's going to be giving us some more information on the solar eclipse, maybe some do's and don'ts when it comes to how to handle this. Maybe do take your kids out of school, but maybe don't look directly at it. Interesting stuff. When we return, this is the Matt Townsend Show on BYU Radio. Welcome back to the Matt Townsend Show. This is Jeff Simpson filling in for Dr. Matt while he's away. Uh, You know, you probably have uh, heard the news about the solar eclipse that's coming up on August 21st. This is the first solar eclipse since June 8th, 1918. Wow, almost 100 years ago. And it will be the last one until the year 2024. To find out more information about eclipses, when this one will take place, where to view it, and everything else you need to know, we invited BYU professor Darren Ragazine on our show this morning. Darren, welcome to the program. Glad to be here. Thank you. Okay, so I want you to pretend 
that I know nothing about solar eclipses. Actually, let me just start that over. I know nothing about solar eclipses. <laughs> what can you tell me? What is a solar eclipse and why, why is it such a big deal? Sure. So a solar eclipse is when the moon passes in front of the sun uh, from our point of view. And so all, that's, there are lots of different kinds of eclipses. This kind of eclipse is called a total solar eclipse, which means the moon will completely cover the sun. Ooh. However, that only happens in a very narrow range, about 70 miles wide. And so um, speaking of not knowing about eclipses, let me correct something you, you said. There are eclipses, total solar eclipses actually happening all the time, um, every couple of years uh, usually. Um, but they are usually in the middle of the Pacific Ocean or okay. Antarctica or whatever. And the eclipses you named um, in 1918, this year in 2025, those are the eclipses that are going to be happening, that are going to be crossing the United States. So now why would, it, why would there be a 100-year gap and then all of a sudden there's a seven-year gap until the next one? Yeah, so it has to do with all of the geometry with how the moon orbits the Earth and how the Earth orbits the sun. Uh, the moon's orbit around the Earth isn't flat. Um, it goes up and down relative to the sun. And so sometimes there's an eclipse and sometimes there's not. And it depends on the time of day. And that's where the, how the Earth is rotating. So that tells you where it's going to be on the Earth. And so it's a combination of all these astronomical uh, things that that this decide where it's going to be. I don't understand it, but I'm going to take your word on it. Yeah, sure. Yeah, <laughs> I don't, yeah to, for to me, the math just doesn't add up, but, you know, geometry and never, never was my strong suit. Anyway, but uh, I'm curious to know how long the total solar eclipse will last once it's here on the 21st. Yeah, so uh, the total part where the moon is completely covering the sun, and if you're in this narrow range uh, of areas where you can see the total solar eclipse, it'll last for about two and a half minutes. Um, so it will get dark during the day. Uh, it'll look like sunset all in every direction all around you. Uh, birds will stop chirping because they think it's nighttime. Wow. Um, so it will be uh, quite an interesting event for those who are in the path. We call it the path of totality. Yeah. Which is this, this 70 mile swath going from Oregon to South Carolina where the moon will completely cover the sun. Now, if, if only there was some sort of phenomenon that could occur at night so that I could get the crickets to stop chirping. Yeah, let's see. <laughs> well, they, they chirp based on temperature, so I don't think the, – they don't, they don't use light to decide when to chirp. So. Darn it. Okay, so this is coming up on the 21st. Obviously, uh, it's a big deal for a lot of people, but what – I mean, how, what would you say to somebody that – you know, Monday, August 21st is just any other day to them. They don't see what the big craziness is surrounding this total solar eclipse of the sun. What would you say to them to get them excited about this, other than the fact that we haven't had one in 100 years? Yeah, so to be within driving distance of a total solar eclipse, I like to call it a twice-in-a-lifetime event. It happens only maybe 20 every 20, 30 years. If you ask most people, have you ever seen a solar eclipse, a total solar eclipse, they'll say no. Right. Um, so um, it's, a, it's a very unique astronomical phenomenon. It's one that doesn't uh, happen very often. Um, it's very cool, very easy to, to watch. Um, uh, and, um, you know, and, and is, is pretty, uh, it's pretty exciting. Now I understand you told me before we started the interview that you are going to be taking your family to Idaho. Now why Idaho? So this 70 mile swath where there's, where the moon completely covers the sun goes from Oregon to South Carolina, passes through Idaho. 
here in Utah, um, most of the sun will be covered. Um, about 90% of the sun will be covered. If you have safe solar viewing glasses, you could look up at the sun and see just a thin crescent. It might seem a little bit darker than it should be, um, but it won't be noticeably darker. Um, so there's a big difference between having 90% of the sun covered and 100% of the sun covered in terms of the experience. And so yeah. we decided to go up to Idaho. Okay. Um, so what sort of advice would you give for people that are hoping to enjoy the solar eclipse? Yeah. So <clears throat> the main piece of advice is to make sure that you're able to view the solar eclipse safely. Um, so as long as there's any part of the sun, even a fraction of a percent that's visible, um, you need to be using solar viewing glasses that are specifically designed to look at the sun, not sunglasses, not you know, uh, there are many home-cooked re- remedies that aren't that aren't very good. The reason is the sun, uh, you can get sunburn on the back of your eyes. You can get actual eye damage, both temporary and permanent, if you, if you do it wrong. So you need to be very careful and make sure that you are viewing the sun safely. If you don't have uh, these special solar eclipse glasses, they're hard to come by these days because ev- everyone in the, yeah. <laughs> in the country wants one right now. Uh, there are other ways to safely view the eclipse. Probably the easiest is what we call a pinhole camera. You take a piece of paper and you poke a little hole in it, and then you look at the shadow, and you'll be able to see the shadow of the hole will be a crescent. It won't be a circle because the sun right. is a crescent at that time. Oh, so, you know, we shouldn't just go on. It's probably not a great idea to go on Amazon and just say total eclipse solar glasses. Well, you you, you can try. My, my impression is that it's hard to get them at this point. But um, so how do we tried. know what's legit and what's not legit? Yes, there are there are certain um, there actually have been um, uh, people selling glasses for the eclipse that are not. No, not come on. Yes. <laughs> um, so. Uh, so NASA has a website that uh, describes the the requirements for safe viewing glasses. It needs to, it needs to block out ninety nine point nine nine percent of sunlight, both in UV and visible infrared. So um, even most welders' uh, glasses, for example, um, are not are not strong enough. So interesting. Uh, you really, when you get them, they look like they look like you have a piece of tinfoil that you're looking through, and if you put them on, you can't see anything except the sun. Wow. Um, so they they block out so much of the light that allows it. That allows you to look safely at the sun. So what time are, are we going to be able to see this throughout the country? I mean, yeah, just depending on what time zone you're in. That's right. Yeah. So, so it depends on what time zone you're in. It's also not simultaneous. It moves across, it moves across the country, starting mm-hmm. in Oregon, moving to South Carolina. Um, so if I recall, it starts in Oregon around 9 in the morning and makes it to South Carolina, local time for Oregon, and then makes it to South Carolina about 4 p.m. local in South Carolina. Uh, so here in Utah, it'll be around 11.30, around noon, um, that the sun will be mostly covered, same in Idaho. So if we don't, if we don't see it this year or in 2024, is our other option to go far out on the Pacific Ocean or and people view it do on that. the water? People, uh, there, are, there are special, there are cruises for these. There are special really? events. Yeah, there are people who are called eclipse chasers. Some of my uh, colleagues in the astronomy field have seen upwards of 40 solar eclipses because they go to everyone wherever it is on the Earth. Wow. Um, there is one coming in 2045 passing right over Utah. Um, so so if you want to wait 30 years and and not have to drive up to Idaho, then um, you're welcome to wait until 2045. That's not too long. I think I could wait 30 years, but, you know, 
I'll try to try to catch it next Monday. We're we're speaking with Darren Ragazine, who is a BYU professor, and he's educating us on a total solar eclipse of the sun. And we'll continue the discussion when we return. This is the Matt Townsend Show on BYU Radio. See, now the total eclipse of the heart is an entirely different problem. Hopefully something that you've never experienced. Welcome back to the Matt Townsend Show. We're speaking with Darren Ragazine, who is an assistant professor here at Brigham Young University, where he specializes in planetary science, astrophysics, uh, exoplanets, and astrostatistics. Darren, what is astrostatistics all about? Tell us about astrostatistics. Well, when we're looking at the sky, we um, so you know we take measurements of stars, how bright they are, where they are, and things like that. Uh, and we want to make sure that we are uh, using the correct mathematical ways of deciding what we saw. So, for example, if you only kind of see something, how do you deal with that? Do you count that as seeing it? I half saw it. I didn't see it. You know, and so there there are um, things that we're working on learning uh, better how to calculate the. Uh, careful, statistical, correct methods for doing astronomy. Interesting. Wow. Okay. So you've been educating us a little bit more about the total eclipse. And now I'm thinking of total eclipse of the heart by Bonnie Tyler. The total solar eclipse. And uh, you you mentioned earlier in the interview about there being different types of eclipses, how this is not the only eclipse. And I, I mentioned to you during the break how... As a kid, I remember, you know, hearing that, oh, today there's going to be an eclipse, not a total solar eclipse, obviously. And I would I would look up and, yeah, tried not to stare for too long. But I right. I, uh, I seem to remember, yeah, that it was a little overcast and it was a little safer to view those. Tell us about the uh, – tell us more about the difference of eclipses and um, maybe the level of safety involved in viewing each one too. Sure. So, um, you know, when you look at the sun or the moon in the sky, they're circles. Um, The moon goes through phases, but uh, if you include the night side of the moon, it's also a circle. Well, the moon, as it gets closer to the earth or further away from the earth, um, changes its size. The sun changes its size a little bit too, but um, not so much. And so depending on how big the – and it just happens to be, as far as we understand in astronomy, complete coincidence that right now we're at this point that if the the moon is close to the earth at the time of when it passes in front of the sun, it's big enough to cover the sun. But if it's too far away from the earth, if it's on one of its further excursions, it doesn't go around in a perfect circle. It comes close and far away. If it's far away, then it might be too small to cover the sun. Uh, So a few years ago in southern Utah, my family watched the annular solar eclipse, which is when the moon goes entirely inside of the sun. It looks like a little ring uh, around the sun. Cool. Um, Or the moon may not totally like we'll have here, uh, like actually the whole continental U.S. will have outside of that. Uh, 70 mile swath, it will be a partial solar eclipse. The sun will be partly covered. 
So in terms of safety, as long as any part of the sun whatsoever is viewable, you should use these special uh, solar glasses. Now, you know, people know that you can look at the sun for a couple seconds and you won't go blind. Um, the problem with an eclipse isn't so much um, – the light is only a little bit less – but you're tempted to look at the sun for a lot longer. And yeah. so that's, that's usually where the problems come is people want to look at the sun a lot. Um, and the light isn't significantly less in terms of the damage it can do to your eyes. So I really recommend the, the solar glasses or the pinhole camera. Yeah. So if you don't want to have an Indiana Jones moment where you're staring at the arc or the, the in this case, the That's total right. eclipse, don't, yeah. <laughs> don't stare for too long. Yeah. But we're okay. I mean, if we just catch a glimpse of it, we don't, it's not like we could go wash our eyes out or anything like that. But if we catch a glimpse of it and and then look away, we should be okay. That's, I, you know, I, um, <laughs> I don't want yes. to put words in your mouth, yeah, but I mean, that's, that's fine. You can sunburn the back of your eyes with even only say a few seconds or 10 seconds of, of exposure. So, I mean, you've heard of people getting snow blindness or other things. Like yeah. That. It's, that, it's that same type of effect. So you just have to be really careful. Wow. Um, and let me mention that regular sunglasses um, do, don't do anything. They, they give no protection to your eyes in this case. They don't block nearly enough light. Um, so uh, you have to have these special solar viewing glasses. Yeah. But if we, I mean, if we don't have these glasses or we, you know, are working and, you know, a lot of people here in the radio station will be doing a show at that time. I assume there would be an opportunity to view it on TV after the fact. Oh, yeah. Safely. Yeah, it's going to be live streamed and there's going to be yeah, many videos and things across the country. There's There will be plenty of opportunities to view it live online. And we wouldn't need the glasses if we watched it online right, or on yeah, TV. You would, you would be safe. Yeah. Okay. Man, so maybe if I just have like a really great HD you know, 4K TV, then this might even be better than the real thing. Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> um, the nice thing, uh, the nice thing about the eclipse is that with the, you can make a pinhole camera with just your fingers. You just kind of set up your fingers in kind of a waffle pattern and go outside and look at the shadows, and you'll see that the shadows are all little crescents instead of oh my uh, goodness little things. So, so even with just a few seconds in your fingers, you can go and and see that something is different uh, without safely without looking at the sun. So you don't have to forfeit your date money in order to get these glasses. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> but with the glasses, you could enjoy the, the eclipse a lot longer. That's right. You can look as, at the sun as long as you want with the glasses on. That's great. And you guys, are, your family is going to have these glasses. I That's think. right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's so exciting. So I, I'm curious to know because clearly we live in a, in a day and age when, you know, technology and science is such that we can better predict these eclipses. Uh, and we know more about them, too. I'm curious to know what people did years and decades and centuries ago. I mean, Terry, our producer, uh, put, there's a note here that, you know, people would view these eclipses as omens. You know, if there was an eclipse, then it meant a king was going to die. So I, I'm curious to know how people... Uh, years ago or centuries ago viewed eclipses and how they knew about them with the limited uh, resources that they had. Sure. So um, an eclipse, as I mentioned before, especially a total solar eclipse, which is the most um, – you know, certainly the most ominous. Um, you yeah. know, it gets dark in the middle of the day and uh, and things like that. So those um, are relatively rare in any particular point, um, but they they you know over the course of history, you know, they happen all all the time. And so um, 
these only happen when there's a very particular alignment of the moon and the sun. Uh, and as I said, the orbits are not circular. They're not lined up. They're all tilted. And so to predict them the way we do now, you need to know exactly where everything is at all times. And we and now we can do that. Um, but it's very it's actually a very difficult problem, even for scientists. Um, uh, 400 years ago, Newton said nothing made his head hurt like trying to figure out where the moon was going to be. <laughs> um, you know, if you can give Isaac Newton a headache, this is a really yeah. uh, tricky problem. So it is a very difficult uh, calculation to do. Uh, however, there are some sort of tricks of, you know, the moon goes back to the same place every month, and but that, you know, slightly shifts and, and things like that. And so it turns out that you can, add, you know, sort of add up the different kinds of months and find out that every, th- I think it's 18 and one-third years, uh, there's usually a total solar eclipse somewhere. Um, yeah. And so, and so there's, 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 di- there are different cycles and they, and, and this was known even to the Greeks, the ancient Greeks, um, that there were, that there was some predictable, uh, they couldn't do what I think we do now of, oh, if you go to this town in Idaho, you'll see it. And if you go to this town, you won't, but, um, um, but they were able to kind of track it. And, and so by the time of the Greeks, you know, and the early, uh, early uh, scientific, you know, thought they were, uh, they knew that they happened and, and they had some idea of how to predict them um, uh, roughly and, uh, and, you know, ha- had records of them. So they weren't, they weren't seen quite as, I mean, I'm sure they were still confusing. Um, it was actually a really important part of astronomy because that proves that the moon is closer than the sun, uh, huh. something that we take for granted now, but um, uh, but at the time, you know, we, this is now direct proof that the moon is closer to us than the sun. And so, yeah. remember, the Greeks thought that the earth was at the center. So the, the earth in the middle, and then the moon going around the earth, and then the sun further, further out from that. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know if you heard this earlier, but Terry shared a story about a woman who was complaining about the timing of the of the solar eclipse that it was on the first day of school can we is there any way anything we can do to does it have to be on august 21st the, does it have to be on a school day like she thought somebody could just rearrange the schedule a little bit and sure. let's do it on the weekend <laughs> Well, it's an understandable um, it's an understandable question um, if uh, if you're not familiar with with how eclipses work. The um, you know it, it it does really give help give us this perspective of um, you know the sun rises and sets every day and we don't really think about it, but you know we yeah. are part of this larger cosmos and there are lots of things going on all around us you know outside of the earth all of the time and uh, it's easy to 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 focus on our own. Uh, on our, what you know is right in front of us, but uh, these kinds of astronomical events remind us that there's a big universe out there, uh, yeah. and we're just talking just the moon and the sun. Those are those are super close um, compared to other stars or galaxies or things like that. So yeah, it's a, it's a good time to reflect on, um, on on what we have control over, what you know, where and uh, uh, where our lives are at with respect to the grand scheme of things. So, Darren, I, I just wanted to ask you one other question. What would you say is is the future? What what can we learn in the future from eclipses, or what is there going forward that we still have to learn, or what technologies could be available years from now that could help us understand this better? Yeah, sure. So um, it's worth mentioning that um, uh, eclipses are fun for everyone, but scientists use them uh, a lot, not as much as they used to several years ago, um, but. 
an eclipse is a great time to actually study the atmosphere of the sun. Um, and so um, there will be many um, astronomers with telescopes taking scientific data during the eclipse to try to, uh, to, try to study it and understand it. Uh, in terms of going forward, NASA's predicted eclipses out for the next 500 years. Wow. Um, so, so, so we know kind of everything that's going on. Um, these days, we are able to take – it used to be that the moon, you know, passing in front of a star or in front of the sun was the most precise way of figuring out exactly where everything was. Um, but now we have satellites and telescopes that, that, that can keep track of, of everything to a much higher precision. So um, we, we do still study the sun during these eclipses, but uh, it's, not, it's not as big of a scientific value as it used to be. That's exciting, though. There's, there's just so much at our disposal that we can use, and I, I bet the Greeks wish that they had. <laughs> I'm sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, thank you so much for being on the program, Darren. We really appreciate you. Uh, his name is Professor Darren Ragazine, and he is an associate professor here at Brigham Young University, specializing in planetary science, astrophysics, exoplanets, and astrostatistics. And he's been educating us on the total solar eclipse of the sun. You won't want to miss it. It's coming up on August 21st. We'll take a break and we'll continue the fun and the discussion here on the Matt Townsend Show on BYU Radio. What, no Bonnie Tyler this time? Total Eclipse of the Heart? That's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity right here. Ooh, I'm glad you said that because for a lot of people, a total solar eclipse of the sun is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, and people get very excited about it. Me, personally, it is exciting, but I wouldn't say that this is is something that I, I absolutely... Must see. If I had to choose one once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, it probably wouldn't be the solar eclipse of the sun. You know, just to to give you a perspective as to where my priorities are, I would say if I could see one thing in my lifetime, which is I'm, it's a little bit of a cheat because it has happened in my lifetime, but not since I was five years old, and that is the Dodgers winning the World Series. Excuse me? Well, for my lifetime, for the first 21 (laughs) years of my life, I just wanted to see the Pirates have an above 500 season, let alone get to the World Series. They've done really well in the past five or ten years. Yeah, so I I feel like my my sports aspirations have been satisfied. So have they never won? I'm Um, sure they've won. Well, yeah. I mean, they won back in the 70s a couple times and when Roberto Clemente was around before that. There you go. But not in my lifetime. Okay, in so my lifetime, they were they were pretty terrible. But what's your experience watching it on TV, going to the game? What what's your? What do I prefer? You mean? Well, I, I mean, think this the, is your once in a lifetime experience. Sure. What do you want it to be? I don't even have to be there in person because I don't really have that kind of money. Um, okay. You know, game four, five, six, or seven of the World Series. I don't think I could afford that. And if I don't... you think a lot of people are crowding to little towns in Idaho, L.A. is going to Holy expand cow. a lot right. if the Dodgers just, are in a World it's Series. It's his, his once-in-a-lifetime. It's like, what does he want? I, I think there is a part of me that knows deep down that maybe it's a little sad. It says something about us that we would probably choose to see a World Series game over 
a total eclipse of the sun. But Terry, you've got an opinion on that. Once in a lifetime opportunities. I don't really have one that stands out to me like something that I just drop everything. This is the most important, you know. Sure. People want to climb mountains and just it's yeah. a life experience for them, and I just don't see the point. Yeah. You know, I've, I've always wanted to go to an NFL game. We looked into it a few years ago. They're expensive. I didn't go. But you could watch it on TV and have a I much would. better seat. But you could see yeah. everything, hear everything. That's my thing is a lot with sports because I enjoy sports. A lot of it, those would be kind of fun to go and experience, except I've been to sporting events, and you, you miss the – at home, you you get all the the replays, you get the the commentary, you get that extra flavor and color and everything that goes with the television broadcast. And as you're sitting in the stadium, it's just a bunch of people screaming that the ref was wrong. Except they're <laughs> they're like a thousand feet away, also, and they didn't see anything. Right? But they think they did. We're a little spoiled though, because back in the day, you couldn't go onto YouTube and rewatch the same clip right. over and over and analyze it from every single angle. But it's better now. Yeah. Now, as as I worked at a, a sports media radio station, I was able to go to games, and I sat in the press box, right? So you can see the game happening in front of you and then look to the side, and there's a, a big flat-screen TV with the replays and everything, and you can see real close, like, oh, okay, I just saw what happened that I didn't see in front of me, but you still saw the game in front of you, so you get the best of both worlds. Yeah. Plus, they had you know free drinks on tap, so it was great. Ooh, just put a plate of nachos in front of me, and I'm there. They had all kinds of snacks. It was a great time, and it kind of that that experience has ruined going to stadiums for me. Yeah. So that experience, those types of things, I don't. I mean, there's no great band, maybe Terry, that you want to see before they break oh, up or abs- anything abs- like that. Absolutely not. However, <laughs> concert experiences, any sort of crowd experience, yeah. I'm out. Not not interested. It's just it seems like the. The parking, getting there, actually, you're in there with like the mass of people. It just seems I could avoid this. I I have the CD at home, and then they mess up the song by trying to be creative and do something new with it. I just want to hear the song Letting that I've everyone heard. Else sing along. Yeah, yeah. There's that. Yeah, it's like you're just being lazy at that point. You just don't want to sing. You so, know what though? The chances of of somebody spilling a beer on you at a at a baseball stadium or football stadium. They're not really diminished when you watch the game in a bar, though. I wouldn't do that either. Okay. I'm just like, because the whole thing is I want it to be an easy experience, and the easy experience is sit on my couch and watch TV. It's right there. You know, we don't drink, uh, but I don't think the chances would be diminished either of my daughter spilling her cup of water. There you go. Every day. And I don't understand how it works (laughs) at a restaurant where you show up to watch a two-hour football game. I mean, do you have to continually purchase things? Can you just purchase the thing when you walk in the door and then you don't purchase again? You're That's just a good of, question. So they, I've been they, to Wings places, and when there's a lot of people there for the game, it yeah. generally takes them the first half to get you your food. Okay. And then you have the second half to isn't, eat your food. I think there's a door charge, isn't there? They typically will charge you more just to get in. If it's going to be a big in. fight like Pacquiao yeah. Mayweather a couple years ago, they had a lot of bars had to pay a huge thing to be able to play that. And so if you went, get you had that to back charge somehow. at the door. Yeah. It wasn't just going to be their food so charge. Those are big experiences. Is there like a place to travel to? Not really. See really? the seven wonders of the world. Come on. Again, you have to get in a line to get through TSA and get in a line to get on the plane, and then you're jammed into this big metal tube for several hours. Then you get off the plane. It's just more lines and more lines. It doesn't seem relaxing to me. It seems like a lot of standing in line. Sounds like you and your wife need to go on a cruise. We have done that. 
And, and this, I, that bugged me because you're just <gasps> stuck at no. sea for days. It's like all I have is to read a book. But this you is don't amazing. have to plan a thing. You can yeah. relax. You can do or not do anything yeah. you want on there. Hours of nothing. And that kind of bugs me. So huh. it, The only thing that saved our cruise is the NFL playoffs was happening and we could watch it at <laughs> night on the deck. Not, and my wife was sick, so she just kind of said, whatever, go do what you want. Yeah, you work too much. I'm, I'm really tough. The only <laughs> way I go on vacation is my wife makes me, so. Yeah. I, and it's I get, fine. We'll I, go. I, but, eh. I read. I, I sense that. So, Cole, what is your once-in-a-lifetime opportunity? So when you first asked me this, I was thinking more along the lines of things I wanted to see happen in my life. Because okay. that's, that's how you presented the question. Well, I, that's, like, and that's what I said so with like the Dodgers the, winning the World the technolo- Series. Technological advances are okay. things that I look forward to seeing. I'm like self-driving cars would be a cool thing to be able to see in my lifetime um, to be able to get to that point. You mean, okay, to get there or to be behind the wheel of one? Because we have them. Well, that's the thing. Well, you, I, you wouldn't be behind the wheel. I want them to That's be true. prevalent oh, want... enough that everyone else is also behind the wheels so that my ah. commute to work in the morning isn't inhibited by everyone else not being able to drive. So you're talking about widespread coverage of yes. with these self-driving cars. Okay. So you're you're thinking like total recall type of coverage. Or iRobot. Uh, let's not go there. I was <laughs> You have a thing against my Will Smith movies, Jeff Simpson. You know, you. I don't want to say you're a good foil because um, I would. That's not how I would describe you or our Arch relationship. Enemy. No, 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 no. It's just that you and I have completely different tastes, as you would know if you tuned into Screen Cleaning every Friday on the Matt Townsend Show Zing. at 9 a.m. Mountain Time, 11 a.m. Eastern. And tell you what, that's coming up here in just. One hour's time. That's right. It's going to be a good one, too. We're going to be speaking with Neil Harmon, the CEO of VidAngel, who's going to be talking to us about the current state of filtering. And uh, hopefully they can get through this lawsuit that they're currently in. We'll give you more information on that in just about an hour. But before that, uh, we are going to take a quick break. When we return, we'll continue the fun. We'll give you some MT news as well as uh, some more important information to help you be more informed and to live healthier, happier lives. This is the Matt Townsend Show. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good Friday morning. Welcome back to the Matt Townsend Show. This is Jeff Simpson filling in for Dr. Matt while he's away, but don't despair. He will return. And in the meantime, we're going to have a grand old time because we've got Terry South, our wonderful producer. He's always here. He almost sleeps here, I think. I think I saw a cot in his cubicle the other day. We've also got Cole Wissinger, who is running the board and who in an hour's time will be my uh, foil, I think we settled on foil. That's what we're going with now? Okay. Foil uh, during screen cleaning. I complete you, Jeff. Because, uh, you know, I I like all the right movies and have perfect taste. And I like the rest. And (laughs) 
He likes the leftovers. <laughs> I I take the filet mignon, and he gets the. Uh, I don't want to say nachos because I really like nachos. I get the ground. Well, the ground beef would be the there you completion go. of that little analogy. And if I'm we're being, talking. I'm being fine too harsh. Cuts. I'm being too harsh. I don't even know if that analogy made any sense. First of all, and secondly. The show is all about, you know, respecting – well, it's not all about it, but we try to respect other people's opinions. And these are just my opinions versus his opinions. And there's good on the screen no matter where you look, if you look in the right places. That's true. Mm-hmm. We found out a couple of weeks ago that there's good to be found in the movie Steel with Shaquille O'Neal during our Silver Lining Cinema segment. Um the Daddy Day I, sequel I can't, was on I, there once. I can't recall what the good is right off the bat, but I'm sure if you go back and listen to the show, I said some nice things about those films. Anyway, um, that's coming up here in just an hour. We'll also be giving you some empty news, including another Chick-fil-A story. A lot of people have a lot of anger when they're at these fast food restaurants. I don't understand it. It might just be isolated incidents across the country, but people have, you know, cell phones, so it turns into something bigger. It's crazy. I it's, mean, they're getting mad. I mean, first of all, you should never upset somebody who is preparing your food. Right. Right? And you're getting mad at people who really don't have carry a lot of clout. They they are getting paid a very low wage in many circumstances. So probably not and and hopefully if you're in that position where you're being yelled at, hopefully you're not taking it personally because usually when that is happening, there's usually something deeper going on with that person. Right. And uh, They're having a tough time. It's really not about stale French fries or, you know, being charged too much. So let's all take it easy and just enjoy our fast food. We'll also be doing a story... Oh, Palakiko is off to Costa Rica, and he's waving goodbye with a big smug smile on his face, trying to make us all jealous. Anyway, it worked. Um, we'll also be talking, we got a story here about Tom Brady and a wax museum. I don't think it's a story of Tom Brady in a wax museum, but we'll give you that story here in just a minute. We'll also be speaking with our good friends at BYU Sports Nation. And uh, we'll also be speaking with Jude Miller-Burke about the adversity advantage. Turn your child, your child hardship, childhood hardship into career and life success. So you'll definitely want to tune in for that. But first and foremost, let's head over to Terry South, who's going to give us the news of uh, the rest of the country. Just days after declining to label the opioid epidemic a national emergency, President Donald Trump has reversed course, speaking to reporters outside his golf course in New Jersey. The president said that he would follow the recommendations of his opioid commission and make that delineation. We're going to draw it up and we're going to make it a national emergency, the president declared. It is a serious problem, the likes of which we have never had. By declaring a national emergency, Trump will expand the resources available for state and federal authorities to combat the opioid crisis. In addition to enhancing treatment options for medical or Medicaid recipients, he, his administration had refused to do as much just days ago, arguing that it had resources, uh, all the resources that are already needed, even though its own commission had recommended a national emergency be declared. It's unclear what prompted Trump to change his mind. 
other than it might have been Thursday. He likes that phrase, the likes of which. I'm sorry about that. And fire and brimstone, the likes of which we've, you've never seen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to start using that from now on, Just I think. The likes in. of which. Yeah, mix it around. Give it a try. <laughs> it's dramatic, for sure. Um, Cuba on, said on Wednesday it was investigating allegations by the United States that unspecified, unspecified incidents had caused physical symptoms in Americans serving at the U.S. Embassy in Havana after two Washington-based Cuban diplomats were expelled. A U.S. government official said several colleagues at the U.S. Embassy in Havana were evacuated back to the United States for hearing problems and other symptoms over the last six months. Some subsequently got hearing aids said the official who spoke on a condition of anonymity. Some have said that it could have been some kind of sonic device that could have been causing headaches, loss of sleep, and uh, later on, a complete loss of hearing for some people. Aha. Uh-huh. So someone was using a device. They're not sure if it was some sort of... Was it an air horn? No, it was It was a device <laughs> where the sound it was emitted was either above or below what we can naturally hear. Wow. And so the sound is still there. You just can't hear it, but it's still affecting you. It's like uh, Iron Man, that little device that Jeff Bridges uses on a and couple of people. And then he puts those fancy blue ear earbuds right. in right. his ears so he's not affected. Yes. And they're, they're not sure if it was like, is it a spy thing? Are we trying to attack mm. people? Is, someone, is it a prank? What are we doing here? And so Havana is saying, we don't know. We would never do this. We don't know what you're talking about. But there are people who were serving in Havana who now have to use hearing aids because their hearing has been damaged. Wow. So that's it's kind of an interesting story. Yeah, there. we'll keep we'll keep you updated, which okay. means I'll, if something happens, I'll read it. It's a you. story the likes of which we've never heard on well, the program. The likes of which <laughs> move over Netflix. Facebook is officially launched into the realm of streaming video on Wednesday. The social network announced a redesigned video tab called Watch. In an effort perhaps intended to shore up Facebook's dwindling base of younger users, Watch will include a variety of offerings from short-form content from partners such as A&E to shows that will cover real-life, real-time events like Major League Baseball Live. Users will be able to make a watch list of their favorite shows, uh, you know, stuff. Facebook will also be redesigning its video tab for Watch in an effort to engage users for longer periods of time and give them a reason to return to the site. The company hopes to make its streaming service stand out because of the inherently attached social component. The launch will not is not widespread, however. Only a small percentage of users could actually see the new tab in the Facebook app on their phones. Um, it will spread to desktops and other, so, you know, the, the rest of the social network will get it later. But, uh, yeah, so they're trying to do video. Hmm. Okay. How much, they're going to have a baseball game every Friday night on Facebook. What, what, do, you, what, what do you think? Are you going to go watch baseball? If I on could Facebook? watch the Dodger game, I would for sure because I don't have Time Warner cable. On your phone? Well, they, there may be some issue with that. I'm not sure if they're, they're, they're going to be included. Really? I'm not sure. Ugh. I think they already know what I like. I'm looking through my watch tab, and there's a clip from Justice League Unlimited, there and go. there's what? a clip yeah. from like Vines that I've watched hours and hours of. Here's a Friends clip on there. There you go. They're already Whoa. on it. My goodness. Now, I don't know if it's switched. I looked at my, my phone last night. It seemed to be the same app. So, And huh. the screenshots I've seen of the redesign, that's not what I was watching. So mm. we'll see what happens. It could be interesting. My general thought is it will fail because uh, I don't. Well, for me, it may be a, a raging success for the nation, but I'll look at it and be like, I don't care. I'll put it in the queue. Uh, when I, you know, after I've watched all these other TV shows and movies that I want to watch, if it's still around, maybe I'll give it a try. Does your TV have a Facebook app? 
I have no idea. Yeah. <gasps> oh, the weirdest. Speaking of that. Uh-oh. We've always had volume issues with our smart TV, our TCL TV. All right. And our AC is right by our or the uh, it's right by the TV, and so we'll have to turn the volume way up to almost a hundred when that turns on. Oh wow! I was watching yesterday, and all of a sudden, the volume spiked. We turned it all the way down to one, and it was louder than we normally hmm. have it. Gremlins. I don't understand it. I was expecting you to say that every time you turn the volume up, it actually turns your air conditioning up also. Like, for some reason, the volume doesn't move, but the air, the AC gets colder. Oh, wow. No, I wish I had a smart remote like that, though. That would be interesting. Control your AC. Well, I can. I can. I control my AC from my phone. Yeah. That's so great. So now we can't watch TV because it's too loud. Well, turn, on. turn off the AC. Open the window. No, 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 no. Just if, yeah, even if the AC oh, is on, it's well, still too loud. At that point, your TV's broke. So we, we uh, were complaining it was... Too quiet. Now it's too loud. And finally, we talked about bomb shelters earlier. They were yes. mentioned The word bomb shelter was said. We didn't really talk about it. But there's no better time than now to be in the bomb shelter business, apparently. I bet, yeah. Atlas Survival, a company in Monte, Montebello, California, uh, sells products like the Bomb NATO, a shelter with a hmm. with seating area, bunk beds, and plenty of storage, which is intended to be built under a house when it's under construction, and the Fallenado, designed to go inside a garage. The owner was talking with ABC Los Angeles and said that since President Trump warned North Korea that that if attacked the United States, uh, if they attacked the United States with nuclear weapons, he would hit back with fire and fury. He says sales have skyrocketed. Instead of calling me like they normally do, people get in their cars and drive down to the, their building to look at their showroom. He goes, they buy them on the spot, and I've never seen that in my entire career doing this. People are just buying bomb shelters since what Whoa. Wednesday. Are yeah, we those... sure Trump isn't in the bomb shelter business here? I, know. <laughs> I think some of those people are just hovering, though. On Could the be. off chance that this happens while they're there at the store, they'll have a place to for those who have, For those who have money to fork over, Atlas Survival also sells a luxury bomb shelter, which starts at $100,000. They come with a okay. bedroom, bathroom, living room, kitchen, covering 500 square feet, and are designed to be installed 20 feet underground. Over the last two days, the owner says he sold his entire stock of 30 bomb shelters. Wow. They have to get more bomb shelters. Okay. To me, it's a win-win because if you get one and there is fire and fury, the likes of which we've never seen, you're covered, right? Right. As long as hopefully you're 20 feet underground. Right. If that's not going to happen and you still buy it, you immediately have the world's coolest man cave. You do. Or woman cave. And, you, and, and, and maybe some way you can finagle that into uh, you know people uh, believing that you've just added square footage to your house. Oh, sure. You know what I mean? And I, I think There's I could use that. There's certain rules with that. But if you, if you say, hey, bomb shelter in the backyard, that's an extra 500 feet. And I could also use it as, as a recording studio. Camping. Assuming I can get internet connection down there. Camping for the kids. Camping. We don't ever have to go camping. We don't have to buy a Winnebago. See, this is like really many purchases bundled into one purchase. And for us millennials that don't have the finances for a real home, buy a bomb shelter and just plop it down somewhere. There you go. It's the new tiny house. Yeah. Yeah. Just bury it underneath somebody's uh, backyard while they're on vacation. They don't even have to know about it. Wow. There you go. Many, bomb, many bomb shelter. ideas here on the Matt Townsend Show. We do have a couple of MT News stories that we want to share with you here. 
including the one that we mentioned about Chick-fil-A, two women trashed a Florida Chick-fil-A restaurant during an argument over an order. That is it. I've never seen anybody unhappy at a Chick-fil-A in my entire life. Yeah. They have great shakes. I'm not being paid to say this, by the way. They've got waffle fries. They mm-hmm. have a playground. So it's every parent's dream. And, yeah, it's it's kind of like the in and out of chicken-themed restaurants. Another fine establishment that I'm not being paid to talk about. Anyway, uh, Allison Music, who was in the restaurant, says the two women beat on a locked door trying to get inside as the store was closing. Video she posted shows the women arguing with employees, tossing condiments on the floor and throwing an object that could be heard breaking in the background. A police report says the women caused $900 in damage. Come on. What did Chick-fil-A ever do to you other than close a little earlier than you wanted it to? I mean, there are other establishments that are open well through the night. Denny's, Mm -hmm. Village Inn. Man, don't pick on Chick-fil-A. That's sad. That's so sad. We also mentioned a story involving Tom Brady in a wax museum. A new wax museum is asking New England uh, Patriots quarterback Tom Brady for help to improve a wax replica of him that has been ridiculed online. The Dreamland Wax Museum in Boston features a statue of Brady that has drawn criticism from many people who say it looks creepy and does not resemble him. It must be really hard to capture the essence that is Tom Brady because there was a a court sketch a couple years ago that also just did not look like it was supposed to be of him. That was kind of ridiculous looking. He just has one of those faces, I guess. He is... A face only Giselle could love. (laughs) He is one of a kind. Yeah. He is one of a kind. You can't duplicate the wonderfulness and brilliance of Tom Brady. A Facebook post from the museum on Wednesday acknowledges the figure isn't perfect because it's based on a photo instead of Brady's actual measurements. The museum has invited Brady to come by and sit in for a measurement session. That, to me, is creepy. They Uh, should take a Facebook Live video of some guy with measuring tape just across Tom Brady's face. Wouldn't that be creepy if somebody took your measurements to make an exact replica of you? Yes. That's creepy. It's then, creepy that they would want it because I am not oh, Tom yeah. Brady. And tell me you wouldn't stare down that wax museum replica of yourself and there isn't a little part of you that's not afraid that that is going to come to come to life and, and take over oh, my yeah. place in the world. Yeah. Man, this is like this is like every one of those movies back in the 50s, like Invasion of the Body Snatchers. When Tom Brady retires because he's too old, the wax museum sculpture of the correct proportions and measurements will be able to come in so that the Patriots can have 15 more years of the greatest quarterback to ever live. We need to move on. I'm getting a little creeped out by this topic. I will finish by saying that the museum says getting it perfect is its top priority. Museum officials say they haven't received a response yet. Darn it. The museum drew attention in July with a figure of President Donald Trump that said some missed the mark. Hmm. Okay. Well, again, I I think we ought to move on from this because creepy wax figures are not something that I like to dwell on too much. A little too scared now. 
But the show must go on, and uh, we're going to have a good show. We're going to have a successful show, and this has nothing to do with childhood hardships that I had, but uh, we are going to be speaking with our next guest about the adversity advantage, turn your childhood hardship into career and life success. When we return, this is the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back to the Matt Townsend Show. This is Jeff Simpson filling in for Dr. Matt while he's away. You know, as an adult, you go to work, form relationships, and accomplish tasks on a daily basis. You probably have many successes and also issues that are constantly irritating or downright problematic for you. You may have work distress that keeps you awake at night, ruminating about a possible solution. Often we look for answers and blame others for the distress, But often the answers to our work problems are within us. These problems require us to become students of life. In The Adversity Advantage, Jude Miller-Burke, a psychologist and executive coach, talks about her unique study to, to determine what childhood problems could lead to success and why. Jude, welcome to The Matt Townsend Show. Good morning, Jeff. I'm, Thank this, you for having me on the show. Absolutely. I'm, I'm so interested to, to speak with you on this topic. How did you become interested in this topic, and, and what made you decide to do a scientific study on it? Well, I had to do a scientific study for my uh, dissertation, for my Ph.D., and so I probably had that in the background and had studied the impact of workplace violence on supervisors and employees and specifically studied bank robberies. So that piqued my curiosity. And I had grown up in rural Minnesota, um, a lower income family, but very conscientious and industrious. And uh, my parents were about 18 years old when they got married. Polish Catholic family had five kids at a very young age. And so they never had the opportunity to go to college. But at the same time, they instilled some very specific uh, values around work. Long story short, worked at Honeywell for 10 years in North Minneapolis, went on to United Healthcare and worked there for another 10 years, and then moved to a wealthy suburb of Phoenix, Arizona. The cars and the homes and the lawns were beautiful. The people looked perfect. Their kids were perfect in quote marks, the smartest, most, most <laughs> athletic. But after a cup of coffee or a glass of wine, people would tell me about how they had grown up with childhood abuse or they had grown up in poverty, or had lost their parent at an early age, or had an alcoholic uh, parent. And they still had gone on to great success, as many of the people that I knew personally. My sisters all went on and got graduate degrees and developed great careers. And we also had experienced adversity growing up with the loss of a brother um, in a car accident. But still, somehow, all these people that I talked to picked themselves up and continued on. And I wanted to make life easier for other people. I personally found it a little difficult. There was no one there to say, this is how you register for college. Yeah. This is how to drop a course when things aren't going well before you get that grade on your transcript. This is how you present yourself in a corporate interview. So I learned everything the hard way, paying for every college degree myself. 
And I thought, you know, why, why not benefit other people? And especially when I had access to all these people in um, Phoenix, Arizona suburb, and also in Minneapolis, Minnesota. So I contacted Dr. Mark Atridge, who I'd worked with at United Healthcare, and he's based in Minneapolis. We designed a scientific study to look at the factors that lead to success. So, um, yeah, I want to I talk about those a little bit because it is so interesting because I think a lot of people get caught in this mindset of, well, you know, it's understandable that I'm an alcoholic because my father was an alcoholic and his father before him. Or, you know, I think a lot of people, uh, instead of feeling like they can get out of this cycle, they feel like they're just they're going with the hand that they were dealt, and that's just the way that things are going to be from here on out. And then also there are other horrible experiences that happened to them that they didn't really have that much control over. But what are some of those personality factors and other factors that, that lead to success, that get them out of this cycle? Well, and I do want to agree with what you're saying too, Jeff, that it depends on the severity and also the number of adverse events. Um, and there is actually an adverse events, childhood adverse events scale that you can look at that really helps people understand what they experience. And I have that scale in my new book, The Adversity Advantage. But some of the factors we found, hands down, and we use standardized measures that have been used in many other research studies on self-esteem, work engagement, leadership skills, communication skills, the big five personality traits. The number one was conscientiousness. Really? Yes. And number two was flexibility and resilience, which more and more people are talking about grit today, which is important. But when someone got laid off, they took that opportunity to get another certificate or a graduate degree. Or um, if they were uh, had the detour, possibly of uh, for women, one of the biggest detours, of course, was childbearing and childrearing and taking care of other ill family members. Um, they would be flexible and find part-time work or, again, pick up another graduate degree. And so this group overall, and even though they were from 75% of them were from low-income families as children to middle class, 75% of them, half of this group went on to become self-made millionaires and multimillionaires. So that wow. you can see why my curiosity was so oh, yeah. It was a little bit like... Dorothy going to the Emerald City, you know, after living in rural Minnesota <laughs> and moving to this suburb. Yeah. And so I really wanted to study this and show people a template and pave a way for them to make their route to success easier. While, it, while we were looking at these results, uh, it was really a surprise to find out that 40% of them had experienced childhood adversity. Oh, wow. That's, wow. And a, Again, with what you just said uh, about, well, this is the hand I'm dealt. I have a lot of depression in my family or a lot of chemical dependency in my family. This group went on to make different decisions to go on to overcome the genetic and environmental hand they were dealt. And I wanted to know, how did they do that? So the last phase of my study, which is the basis for the adversity advantage, turn your childhood hardship into career and life success, The basis of that book is to show people how you can grow up with a difficult childhood and learn from that and turn it into your career success. So 40% of the people I studied had an alcoholic parent or witnessed domestic violence or were abused as children. If you include poverty, 
divorce, death of a family member, we're talking about 60% of the group. That means over one, one to one to one and a half people who come into work each day on average are bringing that negative childhood with them. Yeah. And I experienced a lot of success at my jobs, but now without a lot of angst and anxiety and maybe a little depression at times and just kept moving forward. And I wanted to know how these people felt like their childhood uh, hardships impacted them positively, negatively, and then how they worked um, some of these issues out as a leader, manager, supervisor to go on to help other people. So it was a fascinating study to me. Yeah. So how you, you mentioned that you wanted to see how it affected them positively and negatively in the workforce. What are some maybe some uh, negative ways that this has affected these types of people in the workplace? One of the things that was discussed was, um, well, let me just give you the list. Uh, there was anxiety, yeah, a heightened sense of anxiety, which makes sense if you grow up with at the dinner table, a dish flying across the room or a loaf of bread hitting the wall or people screaming and yelling. More anxiety, more depression, feeling of helplessness, which so often, you know, kids that experience adversity, they're, they're really captive. They really are trapped in a very awful situation. Uh, anxiety, depression, alcoholism, overeating, low self-confidence, a feeling of shame, sometimes detachment. And so this, again, was all statistically analyzed. So this is research that shows um, trends that are very concrete and based in fact. So as far as the numbers are concerned, what is the difference between uh, the men and the women that you studied? This was fascinating. There was no difference. And so really? often we yes, so often we think of violence in the home and violence in society in general as a woman's issue. And in this book, my last book was specifically for women and how women can overcome adversity to become successful and how to conduct yourself in the workplace and what techniques to use and what the men say about the women and the obstacles they have to overcome. But in this study, I was very surprised to see that the men experienced just as much child abuse as the women. The men experienced a little bit more witnessing domestic violence and that they had the same amount of a chemically dependent parent in the family. The men and the women matched the societal norm. So this group was not a silver spoon group. This was not a group that did not experience problems. And so the book has self-assessments to take a look at what you experienced as a child, how it might be impacting you, and then gives you very solid advice from people's stories, from people who I interviewed on top of the research, but people I interviewed that gave me their real stories about how they overcame uh, these childhood difficulties to go on to be successful. So could you shed some light on that? Because obviously your book is out there to help these people that have had these childhood traumas that are trying to get over those to become successful in their work lives and in their personal lives. But what other sources of help have these people had to to get over this or to, I I shouldn't say get over it fully, but to, to help them become successful in spite of these trials? That's a very good question. Um, and it's not the workplace's job to help you overcome your childhood, but it naturally evolves. I'm very supportive of people having a chosen profession 
something they love, whether it's being an artist or a mechanic or a carpenter or a psychologist, something they feel passionate about that is based on their natural God-given skills and their gifts to the world. And so your workplace, by getting a new speech that maybe is an opportunity provided to you by your manager, and then going through the anxiety because maybe you have low self-confidence because of verbal abuse that you experienced as a child, going through the anxiety and having a success with that speech, that speech you're giving, or um, maybe going to a sales meeting uh, for a big international or national client and being the one that provides the operation speech that tells the potential new customer exactly what your company offers and getting that win or having conflict with someone at work and sitting down and talking to that individual and working that conflict out to resolution. These are all very concrete examples of how the workplace helps you heal from the past. Because each thing that you accomplish, whether it's learning financials and successfully presenting your budget for next year and getting it accepted, or um, having a good command and presence of an audience when you're giving a speech, all of these things lead to higher self-confidence, higher self-esteem, and overcoming what you experienced in the past. Well, Jude, when we return, I want to continue the conversation here with you and uh, talk a little bit about maybe ways that we can recognize that uh, we've experienced adversity in our throughout our childhood. And uh, her name is Jude Miller-Burke, and I'm Jeff Simpson. We're speaking on Adversity Advantage, turning your, your childhood hardship into career and life success here on The Matt Townsend Show, BYU Radio. If you experienced adversity as a child, you are not alone, according to our guest, Jude Miller-Burke. It's, it's happened to many of us, and we can get through it and become successful workers and have successful relationships. Jude, welcome back to The Matt Townsend Show. Thank you. So I, I want to hear a little bit more about some of the positives. You mentioned childhood survival skills. I wanna, wanted to uh, spend some time talking about positives learned from childhood survival skills. Great. I'd like to talk about that also. <laughs> I interviewed about 20 people for the book on top of the research, and I have their real stories in the book about what they experienced as children and their journey and how they overcame these childhood troubles. And what happened is they took the survival skills such as higher intuition. You know, they've watched the landscape. They watch the uh, meaning of the relationship between people. They became very much observers of life as a way to self-protect. So they had more or less a self-protective work style also as adults. But they used that intuition, that greater sense of a radar of knowing when danger is coming, um, they reported greater empathy and sensitivity and patience. Now, of course, there's the person that doesn't grow as an adult 
and still is breaking things when their dad was breaking things or their grandma yeah. was breaking things, and there's a long history of that. But many of these people, and this is a critical point, became a student of life. They became a student of their own behavior, their own reactions to other people, and then made different choices. So maybe they're at work and two uh, divisions are merging. And everyone knows that there's not room for like two directors of operations or two VPs of the financial department. Yeah. And so, of course, someone would get triggered. And the person who's done more of their work to understand their triggers in anxiety-ridden situations and understand how they behave um, really become more successful and can deal with that anxiety. So low neuroticism was something also, too, that was really common for these individuals is that they may have grown up in a highly neurotic uh, inducing situation, but they learned when there was conflict at work to walk out the door and set it aside. So, um, you know, instead of going home and ruminating at night and losing sleep and doing a shame spiral where, oh, my gosh, I'm not going to be the one chosen to be the director of operations you know, the other person has so much more to offer than I do. Instead, they were able to control that anxiety and those neurotic tendencies, that worrisome rumination, and then move on to, um, you know, being their better self, so to speak. Interesting. So uh, but I, I have... I, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead. Well, there are very specific skills that all the people recommended. And one of them was having an overarching meaning or purpose to your life. <clears throat> Excuse me. And that obviously is so important because, for instance, in my work here and what I'm doing, you know, I'm very uh, compelled to keep writing and speaking and teaching people that there is a way to have a second childhood or to have the childhood they never had. So to know what your meaning and your purpose is in life and know what your values are, this group became students of life. They paused, reflected, and actively decided what values they wanted to have to lead their lives. And in my book, I have a values checklist. Um, they developed a mindfulness towards their feelings. And so often today, especially if you go to New York City, it's like, I don't have time to feel. I don't have time to go to counseling. But this group developed a respectfulness towards their own feelings and an awareness of their own feelings. They would actively choose to replace negative thoughts with positive thoughts. That's great. So you wake up in the morning, instead of grabbing your phone, looking at your emails and start worrying about the day, they would pause a moment and be grateful for the day and give thanks for the day and set an intention of positivity for what's going to come. They learn to communicate assertively to protect their boundaries because kids that grow up in unhealthy families have very poor boundaries. And they can get enmeshed with people at work, you know, listen to people's problems way too long or keep an unhealthy distance and not get involved in any social activities. And so it's a fine line of learning to what your boundaries are and what you need and want to be comfortable. Many of the people had uh, owned businesses, six times the national average. They own businesses. And I think that's a way to say no one's going to be the boss of me. So this group went on and had autonomy. They were very independent and driven, and they got to be their own bosses, which was self-protective. They oh, developed yeah. their spirituality. That was very important to them, to have um, some kind of spiritual practice. Um, 
and take time to fit that into their life. And of course, they had a healthy network of friends and family. That was very important. Yeah. You know, not to make light of this, but I was, for a moment when you said we get another childhood, I was thinking, oh, that would be great if I could sleep in again or eat the foods that I want again. But uh, I'm I'm curious to know, because clearly this is a major problem. You shared the numbers with us earlier in the interview. Why do you think it is so hard to spot domestic abuse early on? And, And what can you do once you see it? Well, it's, Oftentimes, doesn't, the relationship doesn't start out that way. So you're talking about domestic violence. Yeah. Um, so often someone's dating, and we all present our best self forward, right? You know, it's image management. So someone gets involved in a relationship, and there were men that I counseled at Honeywell also. I was one of their employee assistant psychologists, and of course there were over half the employee population were men. And there were men that were being abused too. And then from my research, I saw that supported but so often you present your best self forward and maybe nothing comes up except maybe one or two um, outbursts that you're kind of puzzled about, but you know, not enough to break off the relationship. But then once you blend finances and introduce children into the equation and the stress of financials and children and career, you know, things get really complicated and sometimes people revert to um, this power over wanting to have power and control over others as a way to deal with their own um, sense of inadequacy. And, you know, it's what they saw at home. So just like when you're calm, you can access new behaviors. When you're under duress, oftentimes you act out those control um, issues. And then it's difficult. I mean, there are pets involved, children, homes, finances, and it's difficult. And oftentimes there is still love there. And it mimics the very thing that a lot of these people saw as children, you know, that there was the love and the fun and the ice skating. And at the same time, then there was violence in the home. Yeah. And, you know, getting back to what you were saying about relationships, too, I've always heard that, you know, three good gauges of, of how you can gauge whether or not somebody's going to treat you right is play a game with them or see how they react when they're playing sports, you know, get in the car with them and see how they react when somebody upsets them when they cut them off and then see how they talk to their mother too. (laughs) Or their father. Those are great. Yeah. Yeah. Very good recommendations. And the book is very hopeful. So if someone doesn't want to take the time to go to therapy or uh, have the money to go to therapy. Each chapter focuses on different things like shame, self-confidence, conflict negotiation, because overall this group uh, stated that being able to negotiate conflict well at work is a means to success. And so you can imagine what they had to get over from their childhoods to get to this point. Um, And so there's a, a chapter on conflict management and boundaries. And then leadership, because to be good leaders, as you mentioned, we really need to reflect on our own experiences and our feelings towards our individual employees. Some of them we will like, some of them we won't like. And how how do you treat the person that you don't really care for? And what is it about that individual that's triggering you so you're less than your best self as a leader? So the book really walks you through this journey. And in the appendix, there's actually the journey chart that talks about the childhood problems, the impact on you emotionally and psychologically, 
then the impact that can come out at work and be holding you back, and then what you can do to go on to um, come to terms with it. You don't even necessarily have to forgive. And I just gave a talk at Barnes & Noble here in Minneapolis earlier in the week, and forgiveness was a big topic, and how do you forgive, and is forgiveness necessary for moving on? And so at this point, I just want to say the book would give some really strong ideas on how to have more peace around what you experience. So you're not sitting in that rocking chair in the nursing home thinking, now what happened to me? That you've really taken yeah. the time to explore it and come to terms with it. Yeah. Jude, just in closing here, I want to ask you one more question. Let's say I'm somebody that has had childhood adversity. I'm struggling through it. What is something I can do today? What's even one small change that I can make today in order to be on that that path of healing so that I can then go on to have a successful career? Well, I would like to give you two things. One would be some kind of practice of mindfulness, whether it's prayer or meditation, walking in nature, time to reflect and time to let yourself feel. The other thing is if you feel like some of these issues might be impacting you in your personal life or your work life, to start a journal and just write and see what you end up writing about when you have a meeting with maybe um, a competition you know, in another division, Joe or Gloria, and sit down and what is it about that interaction and write about it and how you feel. And that will help you gain greater self-reflection. It helps you to be a better spouse, a better parent, and a better coworker and a better boss. Wow. So really, it sounds like it's all about time, taking the time to do those things. Well, Jude Miller-Burke, we really appreciate you uh, and your time here with us on the Matt Townsend Show this morning. Her name is Jude uh, Jude Miller-Burke, and she's been talking about her book, The Adversity Advantage, Turn Your Childhood Hardship into Career and Life Success. And again, we really appreciate her and her insight on this important topic. When we return, uh, we are going to give you some more MT news and get geared up for screen cleaning, which is just minutes away here on The Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back to the Matt Townsend Show. This is Jeff Simpson filling in for Dr. Matt, and we are minutes away from screen cleaning, which is coming up here at 9 o'clock Mountain Time, 11 a.m. Eastern. We're going to be speaking with Cole Wissinger, as we always do. We're going to be speaking with Neil Harmon of VidAngel fame. He's the CEO, and he's going to be shedding more light on what his company is all about, some of the uh, adversity that they're experiencing right now. And what we can do to help out. I I personally uh, am a big fan of VidAngel, but uh, we'll try to remain somewhat neutral. Do we have to? Do we have to be neutral? They do clean screens. It's the name of our program. And... I'm not going to be neutral, okay? I don't think you have to. <laughs> uh, before we get to that, though, I want to share with you one more MT News story. Authorities say human remains found by a man in Ohio are estimated to be hundreds of years old. 
Wow. wonder how he found that. Sheriff's Office says a coroner has concluded the remains found June 21st in a field above Mohawk Dam are approximately 900 years old. A man hunting for arrowheads found the remains and called authorities. The county coroner determined the bones were human and had been at the site for an extended period of time. The sheriff's office says detectives and agents from the Ohio Bureau of Criminal Investigation excavated the site and removed the remains to the county coroner's office for further investigation. Wait, so criminal investigation is in on this? So we're we're going after a cold case file that's... 900, 900 years, years old. old. Yeah, when you said a, when you said hundreds, I was thinking maybe like a hundred. So unless the guy is, you mm-hmm. know, really old, I think he's off the hook for it. But 900, that would take a little bit of a older you know, perpetrator. If, if this guy was killed, mm-hmm. we don't know that. Uh, good luck finding the killer. That's all I'm going to say. I wonder if they can do that cool, like, put his name, put the stuff into the computer and, like, scan faces. And you think they had just, like, criminal files and mugshots 900 years old to compare it to? No, I don't even believe they had uh, cameras to take those mugshots back then. Really? What about paintings? Maybe. Little etchings? Those were crude sketchings, really. Mm. Stick figures. Hmm. Wouldn't that be awesome? They brought in some guy that was literally just a stick figure. I swear it wasn't me. It was uh, it was the hangman. <laughs> anyway, just a little little humor here for you on the Matt Townsend show. Coming up next, we are going to be talking about uh, clean screens, as Cole just said. Really, the the goal of screen cleaning is to help you find quality entertainment that you can enjoy together as a family, whether it be a movie, a TV show, a play, a stand-up comedian, music, literature. It really just – it's – it's a wide range of of topics that we cover on the show. But today we'll be speaking with uh, Neil Harmon from VidAngel. That's right. Super excited. And we've got a little game we're going to play with him and some other fun things. As we generally do. That's right. We like right. to have fun. It's fun. It's all about fun. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. This is The Matt Townsend Show. Morning. This is Ron Brokaw at the SE News Desk with breaking news. Snakes are popping up in packages at the John F. Kennedy International Mail Facility. U.S. Customs and Border Protection officers seized five live king cobras during a routine inspection. The officers contacted the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, officials said, and together they opened the package and found the live king cobra snakes inside. There were also three geckos in the package. King cobras are venomous, so we here at the SC News Desk would like to issue this official word of warning. If you live near or plan on being in the vicinity of the JFK mail facility, please do not open packages, letters, or read postcards, because that piece of mail could contain your death certificate. And just to be on the safe side, you might want to think twice before buying insurance from talking geckos. 
We'll bring you updates as they become available. We now take you live to Screen Cleaning with Jeff Simpson. You know, I'm not going to lie, there is kind of like a small moment of fear that I experience every time I'm opening a package. Is that just me? It's just you. Okay, that's just me. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, my favorite part of opening the package is getting the little bubble bubble paper to pop. Oh, yeah. But if I want to be a good father, I, I inevitably will need to surrender it to my daughters. Of course. Because they love it, and they stomp all over it, and it's, it's fun that's done in seconds. And sometimes, depending on the ratio of thing inside the box to box, you get more or less, or you get the giant bubbles that that's are true. even louder when Ooh. you pop. Man, now I'm excited for Christmas. <laughs> Welcome to Screen Cleaning. This is Jeff Simpson, joined here by uh, Cole Wissinger. As and always. we're going to have a great time on the show. Here on Screen Cleaning, we like to bring you the best in the entertainment world, whether it's movies, TV shows, books, stand-up comedians, music, you name it. If it's got entertainment, we're going to help you find good entertainment. And uh, speaking of the best in entertainment, we're going to give you the best of entertainment news from the past week. We talked about this on the Matt Townsend Show, but I'm so excited that I had to bring it up again. Have you heard of David Letterman? I think I've heard the name tossed around a couple times. You might not recognize him anymore because he's got this gargantuan beard that he's growing. And a shaved head for the most part as well. That's true. I'm wondering if he's going to keep this beard because he is signing a deal with Netflix to do a talk show with them. Yay. Does that excite you? It absolutely does. So he's going to do six episodes, I believe, and it'll be long-form interviews with celebrities with uh, some other content mixed in there as well. So I'm curious to see what that'll look like and what he will physically look like as well. Very Just going to show you that none of these late-night talk show hosts can stay away. Jay Leno couldn't stay away the first time he actually came back now he's got his now he's gone for the second time has his garage thing that he's doing that's right uh, letterman has to come back into the fray as well larry king has larry is back, back at it yeah the only retirement one that, ain't all it's cracked up to be right the only one that uh, that knew how to stay away was johnny carson mm-hmm. once he was done he was done he knew when to hang up the – not to say that these guys are past their prime. They could go on forever, I'm sure. But, uh, yeah, once he was done, he didn't even do interviews. He lived a very private life. Anyway, super excited about that. The next one is uh, you want to check out this – you'll want to check out this video. You can find it on YouTube, I'm sure. But it's called Guardians Inferno. And this – Instead of doing like a little mini movie that a lot of these Marvel movies will do after the fact, they did one with Ben Kingsley that was in Iron Man 3 mm-hmm. or like an, ex- an you know a seventh extended or uh, post credit scene, they decided to do a music video with the bulk of the cast from Guardians of the Galaxy 2. So it's as you can hear, it's very much a disco song. And there are space-like creatures dancing around, but it's clearly all papier-mâché and, you know, shiny sequins and things like that. But uh, none of the characters that were in the movie that make an appearance in this video appear as their character in the movie, if that makes sense. Yeah. They don't even appear as aliens. They're, you know, they're playing the keyboard or playing the guitar. And uh, there's even a cameo by Chris Pratt. But the best part of the video has got to be... 
the main singer, who is played by David Hasselhoff, who I assume <laughs> is uh, the person that they're referring to as Zardu Hasselfrau. Zardu Hasselfrau. Zardu Hasselfrau. You got to check it out just to see how many cameos you can recognize. And plus, you get to hear David Hasselhoff sing slash rap about Guardians of the Galaxy. Very cool. Check it out. Uh, In our best reboot news, Cole, I know this is going to excite you. And I'm sure you already know about this. But uh, YouTube Red has won a bidding war to air episodes of a reboot of The Karate Kid. Now, notice how I said, Cole, you would probably be very excited about this. I didn't say that I'm terribly excited about this because I don't, I'm not of the opinion that Karate Kid is... Is a national treasure? Uh, yes. Is a cinematic piece of gold? I'm not convinced. I am. I love Pat Morita. Now, mm-hmm. he, I would call a national treasure. Don't but get Ralph me wrong Macchio? about that. Elizabeth Shue is also a national treasure. But Ralph Macchio? The guys that are actually coming back to this. So this is going to be about Ralph Macchio and the main kid from Cobra Kai starting up their own dojos and the funny hijinks that go along with it. I'm glad that you took the reins on explaining the premise of the show because then that made it so that I didn't have to. And I can put a positive spin on it because I will definitely go. be watching it. Again, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I, I just – it's it's the best reboot news for this somebody. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, for some people, it's the best around. Nothing's ever going to keep you down. Thank you. You're actually saying that too. And then on our last piece of news, this is actually a category I don't think we've ever done before. It's our best disappointing news. Well, we started off with a couple <laughs> really good Netflix news. Now this is the worst Netflix yes. news. Now, don't get me wrong. It makes perfect business sense. Yes. I would probably make the same decision. But as a consumer of this of, uh, of these films, I'm, I'm very disappointed. So, but it's our best disappointing news. We only give you the best here on Screen Cleaning. We're talking, of course, about the fact that Disney is going to be ditching – no, yes, Disney is going to be ditching Netflix. They're going to be uh, putting all – releasing their newest films on their own streaming device starting in 2019 – Apparently, we'll still have access to the older ones. Like, those still fall under the original contract that they had with Netflix. As of a couple months ago, when you say original contract. But even though, like, all movies at one point or another are going to expire on Netflix. And they won't, you just won't have them anymore. Mm -hmm. Regardless of whether it's a Disney movie or not. So, as a parent of young children, this is rather distressing to me because it means it's just one more ten to twenty dollar app purchase that I have to make. Have to? And uh, no, I don't think I will. I think I'll just get them, check them out from the library. Yeah. Um, but you know, as a as a parent, that is a little distressing to me uh, because we love films like Finding Nemo and The Incredibles and Oh. Oh, hold on a second. We're getting an update on that story that we shared earlier about the snakes at the JFK International Mail Facility. Uh, apparently, we are uh, we're hearing that they are going to make a movie out of this. And in fact, I, I think they already have a trailer for it. Can we play that, Cole? Here they're you fast. Go. Wow, they're fast. 
when Samuel L. Jackson fought snakes in the films Snakes in a Car, Snakes in a Bed, and Snakes in a Toilet. It was personal, but this time, it's postal. At JFK International Airport, packages marked special delivery containing venomous snakes are showing up at the mail facility. And there's only one man who knows how to handle them with care. I have had it with these mega-sized snakes disrupting my Monday through Friday delivery route. It's time for me to return you to your sender. Now you're certified dead. Snakes in an international airport mail facility. He's sending them on a one-way trip. Welcome to a 90-second movie review for the film Dunkirk on BYU Radio. Dunkirk is the latest film from director Christopher Nolan. It tells the story of 400,000 soldiers who were driven into the town of Dunkirk on the northern coast of France by German tanks in 1940. The film is the story of their rescue. This is a difficult film to talk about, not only because it is a war film, but because Nolan is telling this story in a non-linear fashion. He uses three different points of view. The stories overlap in many places, and at first I was confused. I also did not like it when Nolan increased the volume of the soundtrack so the dialogue of the actors is drowned out by the music. Of course, there's not much dialogue to drown out. I do realize that Nolan is using these conventions to confuse the audience on purpose, and he does it to make us feel more like we are one of the soldiers in the story, and it's this fact that makes this film so incredible. On the one hand, I dislike the storytelling and the audio, but on the other hand, I understand why it was done, and it hits that mark. Being a war film, there is much violence. Soldiers are shot and die from enemy fire and bombs. Ships are bombed with people on board. People are burned by an oil fire on the water, and planes are shot down and crash. One civilian passes away on his way to assist the soldiers. Torpedoes are launched and hit a boat. Soldiers below deck in a boat are fired upon from the outside, and bodies are seen floating in the water. Despite not liking the storytelling, I am giving Dunkirk an A- for making me feel a part of the story. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Sean O'Neill, and this has been a 90-second movie review on BYU Radio. Screen Cleaning proudly presents Jolly Good Shows. Classic films that have stood the test of time and are now being inducted into Jeffrey Simpson's prestigious video library. Most Americans know that we Brits enjoy our tea, we are simply mad about our football, and we conduct ourselves with dignity. However, Americans may not be aware that we also possess a sophisticated wit. Case in point... This month's selection for Jolly Good Shows, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. It is truly a comedy classic of the highest order, and the American viewer will be excused for not grasping the subtleties and dignified manner in which the classically trained thespians carry out their masterful scenes. Let us observe one such scene. Who are you? We are the knights who say... Nee. No. Not the night you say, me. The same. Who are they? We are the keepers of the sacred words. Ni, Peng, and Ni, Wom. Those who hear them seldom live to tell the tale. We shall say Ni again to you. 
if you do not appease us. Well, what is it you want? We want a shrubbery. The scene continues following the procurement of said shrubbery. We are now no longer the knights who say, We are now the knights who say, Therefore, we must give you a test. What is this test, O oh knights of knights who till recently said ni? Firstly, you must find another shrubbery. Not another shrubbery. Then, when you have found the shrubbery, you must place it here beside this shrubbery, only slightly higher, so you get a two-level effect with a little path running down the middle. A path, a path, a path, a path. Good show, old man. Or, for you Americans out there, man that is funny. We shall return in a month's time to reveal our next inductee into the archives of Jolly Good Shows. Welcome back to Screen Cleaning. This is Jeff Simpson, and uh, we are still trying to get Neil Harmon into the building. Neil Harmon is the CEO of VidAngel, a company that I'm a big fan of, actually. Cole, are are you aware of fam- or uh, are you familiar with VidAngel at all? I absolutely am. It's been played quite a few times in my apartments as I've moved around Provo. Yes, and you know they've gone through some changes. Uh, they've had some legal troubles. It used to be that uh, VidAngel was a company that would buy up a whole bunch of DVDs, physical DVDs, mm-hmm. and they would produce a a filter or multiple filters for that movie. Okay, So you could edit out, as a viewer, you could digitally edit out language, violence... Uh, sexual content. Pretty much clean up these otherwise right. R-rated or violent or just inappropriate movies. Or even the opening or closing credits of the film. So for the people that don't like to watch Which the opening convenient. credits. Yeah. Um, but several Hollywood studios were not fans of that, including Disney, Warner Brothers, Lucasfilms, and 20th Century Fox. Which kind of covers the big ones nowadays. Right, right. So they took VidAngel to court, and uh, they are not... They are not able to currently filter, uh, release filters for those films while they're in in the thick of this trial with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, since then, they've had to change their method of conducting business. Okay. So I, I think that their their beef with VidAngel was that they didn't have permission to remove those protections on those DVDs in order to access – in order to be able to create these filters. And they're saying that the copies that VidAngel owned, the actual physical copies of these DVDs, were unauthorized copies. Okay, So the the, the jury is still out on that. But in the meantime, they have rolled out with a new method of conducting their business – which is to um, work through these other apps or streaming services like Netflix and Amazon Prime 
and HBO uh, programs through Amazon. And since those companies have licenses, this is how they feel they're able to get away with it. Disney's also not happy with this, let's just say. And I was lucky enough to be able to be a, a participant of the testing program. I think it was an alpha testing. I really don't know the difference between an alpha testing and a beta testing. Do you, Cole? No, I just know that gamma testing is whenever you eventually grow large and green and get angry all the time. Oh, wow. Yeah. I've never done that sort of testing, although I think my leg has turned green at some point or another. I don't think that's Hulk syndrome. <laughs> so I was invited to to participate in the testing program. So basically, the system works the same way that it did before. Uh, you can edit out all the violence, the profanity, the sexual content, anything that's objectionable that you wouldn't want to be exposed to or you wouldn't want your children to be exposed to. Uh, the big difference is instead of purchasing the the physical DVD or the digital copy of it for $20 and then selling it back to them for $19 in credit. So essentially you were renting it for $1 a day. Um, you are – you're able to access these filters through the memberships that you have in these other companies like Netflix and Amazon Prime and HBO. Interesting. Okay. So with Netflix, obviously that's 8 to $10 a month, right? Amazon Prime, the same thing. HBO might be a little more. So right there, you're, you're spending about $30 to be able to access these filters. Well, you also, instead of uh, doing the one-time fee to VidAngel and then selling the movie back and all that, you are paying $8 a month for a membership. Ah. So instead of like as you go – and. Is it $8 a month? Because that could yes. end up being cheaper, uh, depending on your movie-watching habits, than what you were doing more. anyway. You'd have yeah. to watch more. Um, as soon as you watch nine movies, you've gotten your money's worth. Yeah. From what it used to be. So they might not have all of the selections on there that you would want because, as we stated earlier, they're not allowed to f- make filters for uh, Disney movies, 20th Century Fox movies, Lucasfilm movies, so you won't see any of the Star Wars movies, and then also uh, Warner Brothers. Mm-hmm. So you're not going to see any Harry Potter films on there, Aww. unfortunately. But I don't know that there's too much objectionable, too many objectionable moments in the Harry Potter films. Maybe toward the later ones, you might have to be careful about showing those to your kids. But uh, overall, it's been a pretty good experience. Because, like I said, there isn't too much different as far as the functionality is concerned. But it got, the biggest concern is something that you brought up. Like you, maybe you have to – that means you really have to watch more movies mm-hmm. to really get your money's worth. Um, what I like about it is that they have more – there's more of a TV selection there. So all of a sudden, all these shows that I wanted to watch on Netflix but chose not to because of – you know, the profanity or the, the sexual content. Now, all of a sudden, I can. Interesting. So they have they have some kind of, like, algorithm that goes in and finds this objectionable content on anything that is within these, these different platforms, and it just kind of takes it out. It's not someone that has to watch every single scene and, like, find it. <laughs> because there's a lot of episodes of television. I can't imagine someone in the VidAngel HQ that's just watching all like 300 episodes of The Simpsons or something, or thousand, however many of those they, there are. They watch everything that they create a filter for, they watch from beginning to wow. end. So I, what I was told is they, um, 
the way it works is they it has the employee that's doing it it has to be something that he would watch anyway without the filters right clearly oh, yeah. he's got to be comfortable watching or he or she has to be comfortable watching it um, they're not paying people to like compromise their morality they, this is an okay thing <laughs> right this is something they were going to watch anyway yeah. or they've already seen it maybe mm-hmm. you know um and another thing i should mention is it's very uh you can get very detailed. They go through everything that's objectionable wow. down to every single last swear word. Mm-hmm. So if you if you see that there are 57 bad words and you only want to bleep out some of them, you can do that. You can bleep out things individually instead of just saying, I want a a very strict filter on this or I want a moderate filter or I want no filtering. You can get very detailed about it. Well, we just got word that uh, Neil Harmon is going to be joining us on the phone here in a minute. So we'll we'll be right back here with Neil Harmon, the CEO of VidAngel, and continue the discussion here on screen cleaning, helping you to make better choices on what to show your families entertainment-wise. Welcome back to Screen Cleaning here on the Matt Townsend Show. This is Jeff Simpson, and we are privileged to be uh, on the phone with Neil Harmon, CEO of VidAngel. Neil, welcome to Screen Cleaning. Thank you, Jeff. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. So uh, we just spent some time. uh, I was actually one of the early testers of of this new model that you've got set up. So we just spent some time talking about how that all works and uh, really the the great things that that you can do with this new business model. So congratulations on that, first of all. And uh, thank you again for for, uh, being on the show today. You bet, Jeff. So a lot has happened in your life since uh, June 8th. Uh, We mentioned, too, that... uh, those four studios uh, took issue with this and sued VidAngel. And I, I'm curious if you can tell us a little bit about what has happened since June 8th and where things are at right now. When you refer to June 8th, do you mean June 8th of 2016 or 2017? 2017. That's when uh, that was when you had the uh, appearance in Pasadena, right? Yes, yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. I, I I asked because the original lawsuit was filed like June ninth, oh, okay. two thousand seventeen. Yeah. Yes. Um. So what has happened since the June eighth hearing? Nothing really from the Ninth Circuit. They've taken the the case under submission. Uh, we don't, based on the judges, the two judges' comments beforehand with the hot mic, we don't have high hopes for the way that it'll turn out. Yeah. But um, we need to get to a ruling in the Ninth Circuit in order to get to an appeal. So it's going to be a, a step in the process. Um, the Ninth Circuit, their website says that they usually rule on things within three to 12 months. So, I mean, <laughs> we, we could be all over the board as to when we hear back from the Ninth Circuit. Sure, sure. So, as I said, we mentioned the new the new model that you guys have set up. What's the What's the feedback that you've gotten other than the feedback from us here, which has been a glowing review, by the way? Oh, thank you. Yeah, Jeff, I, we've, we've, uh, you know, I have a huge smile on my face, not only because I'm using VidAngel again in my own home, uh, along with all of our customers, 
but also because uh, the, the the new system has been received really well, and um, we've grown faster than we expected um, to grow on the new system. And um, uh, you know that that provided its own challenges, um, but we've managed to get on top of technical issues, and and um, it's re- working really smoothly. We just launched this last week uh, TVOS and. Um, Amazon Fire TV, and we've got more platforms that are coming, and a, a, a ton of great content. So, so what are what are some of those other platforms that you're rolling out with here in the near future? Hopefully, um, so right now Roku is under beta, and um, it should roll out under the Roku Store in the in the coming uh, weeks and months, and um, uh, and then we are working on uh, Samsung Smart TV. Uh, we are working on um, Xbox One um, wow. and uh, a, a other platforms. So, you know, we envision this to be, you know, that you can watch however you, the belief you want and wherever the belief you want. So, um, <laughs> yeah, anyway, we're excited about the future. So, Neil, clearly, whenever we travel to someplace like Hawaii where we get on a plane where we've got a few hours to kill, most of those airlines will show films that come edited. And, you know, maybe it's in the contract that these studios have with the airlines that that content can be edited. But why is it that they're opposed to companies like yours doing this when clearly they have other arrangements already set up on airplanes and on TV? Why why will they allow that but not what you're doing? Well, let, let me just reiterate your point. Um, this isn't just VidAngel. One of the six – there are six major studios that comprise the Motion Pictures Association of America. Um, Disney, 20th Century Fox, uh, Universal – Sony, um, Warner Brothers. Anyway, one of the six, Sony, they tried to launch a system because they saw the market that, that VidAngel was was serving. They, they launched uh, the cleanversionmovies.com in June, and they made available airline cuts of movies and TV cuts of movies for people to be able to watch with their whole family. And directors went into a huge huff and puff over this and the DGA threatened to sue uh, Sony and said that their contracts wouldn't allow for this. So those movies have already been cut. It's already been done. It's already been signed off by the directors, but from moving them from 30,000 feet down into your living room is not allowed. And that and, was a, uh, that was a quick about turn, wasn't it? Yeah. It was about three weeks before Sony shut that website down. Wow. My goodness. Yeah. Okay. So that, that just reiterates the point that, yes, I mean, for, there's a, a deep-seated reason that these people don't want to allow for these things to happen. And what we're told is that the directors are artists, and the directors want people to experience their art as they envision it, and, or not to cho- choose to not w- watch it at all. And in the case of the airlines, the government forced them uh, because you've got six-year-olds and you've got 60-year-olds on the airplane together, and and they're all watching the same screens. And so the government forced them to do a, a child-friendly cut. Um, same thing with the television. Um, television is, you know, broadcast uh, freely and widely available, and so they envision that there'll be 
member uh, people of all ages within the home. And so the government said, you have to do this in order for your movies to be there. And Hollywood has had a history of when there's big checks being written and there's a, there's a big market that they're willing to, um, you know, let the money come and, and change the, the art, so to speak. They do it in China. They do it in the Middle East. They do it all over the place. But they sign off of those on those, and they and they get a big check. Yeah. And um, but and they're forced to do it. Quite frankly, every in every instance, they're forced to do it. Um, and so I went with one of a, a studio executive who's well known in the industry to visit the studios, and he said after our meetings, he says, Neil, I'm not sure how you get this resolved. It's almost like these guys need a scapegoat. They need they need the law to force them to do it. Yeah. And, um, and the more I go through this process, the more I'm, I'm convinced that's the case as well. So it seems like in that, in the case that, uh, the appearance that you made in, in Pasadena on June 8th, it seems like Disney said, if VidAngel can come up with another way of conducting business, then we'd be happy to take another look at that, which you've done with this new model that you have set up. But it seems like Disney still has an issue with that. And maybe they're showing, maybe they're showing that they truly just don't want edited content out there. Yeah, they, they have to concede that filtered content must be available in some way because they lost. Disney was one of the primary studios that fought the Family Movie Act of 2005. Yeah. As, as we visited people on the Hill. And the only thing that I can think of is that it dilutes their market. They think they own the family-friendly brand. And so when families are able to access content from other studios and watch it with everybody, then they don't have just Disney to go to. So that's the only thing that I can think of on an economic level, why they'd fight, so, they'd fight this so hard. But they lost that battle. They have to concede that something is possible with filtering. Um, but... Uh, they don't want it to be anything that people actually want to use that actually works. Uh, They want people to use old technologies that don't work, that are hard to use, that are expensive, and they don't want the the filtering to move into the 21st century. And and that's what BitAngel's fighting for, is that, that, that that law can actually be of use to people in the 21st century. Well, Neil, we really appreciate what you and everybody else at VidAngel is doing because at Screen Cleaning, our mission basically is to shine a big old spotlight on all that is good in entertainment, and we we count you a part of that. Uh, I, I do have a couple of other questions just about some of the functionality of um, VidAngel. I'm curious to know, you already mentioned going forward that uh, Hulu and um, – Fandango and, and Xbox will be a part of it, uh, your plans rolling out forward. Um, what? When will members have the ability to make requests? Because I've got a huge list of films and TV shows that I want to request. <laughs> so that's about, that's probably, you'll probably see the re- request feature appear on the website uh, with um, probably early to mid-September. You just made my day right there. I mean, I can yeah. wait. I can wait one more month. That's fantastic news. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we need that data. We need that data. We and and it should be there already. Um, our engineering team is just working around the clock. Um, this is a more complex system than you might imagine, and um, they've had to spend more time on scaling and other issues uh, than they than they've been able to s- spend on new features. But I think we're we're on top of that. 
And I know that right now, current, I saw in their priority schedule, like that's the next set of features on the docket is to where you, you'd be able to search VidAngel and find all movies and all TV shows and the ones that aren't available for filtering that you can just click the request button. You know, I wonder if you're going to have the cable companies coming after you next, because I'm definitely cutting the cable here pretty soon, <laughs> especially when the especially when the request feature gets up and running. Uh, just a couple of other questions. Uh, we talked a little bit, Cole and I, my my board op and co-host of the show, really, we we talked a little bit about how the editing or the filtering process works. I'm curious to know if you happen to remember what was the first film uh, for which your team created a filter? Well, I wrote the very first version of VidAngel myself, and I tagged my favorite movie at the time. It was um, Cinderella Man. Oh, that is a great movie with a lot of language, so that's a good one to choose. Yep, yep. I love that movie. Uh, are, are, do you find that there are some films that are a little more difficult to edit or to create a filter for? Well, the, 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 the tagging is, is crowd-sourced, so there are people all over the country who do it. And these people um, are people who – so they agree when they, when they become taggers um, that they only tag content that they watch already. Yeah. And so, so everybody just, just tags the content that they're already watching. And um, I, I know that there are – I know that um, uh, violent – Shows are hard to cut because, or, or to tag because sometimes if they're extremely violent, they can get really choppy. Yeah. Um, and um, no pun intended. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but we're working on new tools to make that smoother and and easier to do. And our ultimate goal would be to get to the point where this is more of a Wikipedia style system. To where anyone can add to the tags, take from the tags, or, or, or tag any movie that we haven't gotten to themselves, so that they can, you know, that they could do a filtered version for their own family, and um, that's where we want to get to. But today, it's just a, it's a, it's a group of uh, people throughout the country who, who do the tagging. Yeah. And I don't, I don't really know, but I've noticed that that um, on particular like war movies and things that sometimes things can get choppy if if uh if they have to tag it heavily so neil i'm not gonna lie and this isn't to say anything negative about disney but i have to admit i am a little disenchanted with them over this but also because we just found out that they're ending their deal with netflix so we're gonna have to pay more money to to access their movies has this experience for you has it uh, has it tainted your view or your family's view of disney films or disneyland at all um, you know, so I feel like Disney has a wonderful history and the spirit of Disney and, and of Walt Disney, um, has so much going for it. Um, I feel like that sometimes that can get hijacked by, um, like business practices and monopolistic business practices and, and, um, and Disney owns you know, uh, probably about half the entertainment market. I mean, that in, at least in the U S and, um, you know, they own ESPN, they own the Marvel series, they own star Wars. I mean, they pretty much snatch up every major, um, success Pixar, every, every major success story. And, um, they're using that 
power and clout to um, to maximize their profits. And, um, you know, they've burned some relationships and had some ugly lawsuits as a result of that. And, and you know, th- that kind of behavior eventually, I-, I saw it with Microsoft. Microsoft was a great computer company, and and then they 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 used some really really questionable practices to achieve some of the things that they did and and um over time there was a lot of animosity built up towards them and as soon as another company came along offering a similar solution people were happy to adopt something new because they had negative feelings associated with that company and if disney's not careful they can they they can run a similar course well, Neil, just to just to end on a positive note here, in about thirty seconds or less, give us give us the impact that watching filtered movies with your family has had on your life. Yeah, um, thirty seconds or less. We... It's not a hard thirty. I'm <laughs> don't worry. <laughs> yeah. So, well, I I just have to say that um, um, you know we have we have children from zero up to 14 years old and um and when we can watch something all together um that's you know a bonding experience from our for our family and that we can laugh about what we saw or talk about it over the dinner table and uh the moment we have to separate the family and watch in in different groups um it it um you know filtering has made it possible for us to experience more stories and more content all together and and we just we just love it we're so grateful that it's back well neil Harmon, we really appreciate you taking the time to be with us here on screen cleaning today neil Harmon is the ceo of VidAngel, and his company is helping families watch however the bleep they want neil keep up the good fight and uh, congratulations on this new model and good luck going forward we're rooting for you when we return, we're going to be speaking with BY or uh, who are we talking to? Spencer and Jerem at BYU Sports Nation. We're going to play a little game with them in just a few minutes here on Screen Cleaning. Cleaning. I'm excited. Welcome back to Screen Cleaning. I'm excited to uh, speak with Spencer and Jerem at BYU Sports Nation. We have a little game we want to play with them that we weren't able to play with Neil Harmon, the CEO of VidAngel. Spencer and Jerem, how are you doing? Fantastic. Neil Harmon? Neil Harmon was here on the show. Actually, I know his brother. Oh. I was just kidding. I know his brother. Yeah. Anyway, he was a part of the gang. So the game I want to play with you is obviously, you know, we just talked edited movies with Neil Harmon. Yeah. And a lot of times movies will be put on TV that need some pretty heavy editing. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm going to play three clips here for you, and you need to tell me what movie this is from. Okay. Okay. So here's the first one. This one's kind of a softball. Eight miles per hour. You're going to see some serious stuff. Back to, Back the, to future. the future. That's right. You're going to see some serious stuff when this baby hits 88 miles per hour. 1.21 gigawatts. <laughs> 40. Uh, okay, uh, here's another one. Enough is enough. I have had it with these monkey fighting snakes on this Monday to Friday plane. Snakes on a plane? <laughs> Very good. Samuel L. Jackson. I'm, I'm told. 
That's what that's from? I don't know if he did the dubbing for that, but it sounded exactly I, like Samuel L. Jackson. I'll be honest, I'm shocked you played that one. <laughs> oh, we we, we have about wow. a half a dozen trailers Yeah, that wow. spoof that like every day. Okay, and then here's one more for you, and uh, see if you can tell where this is from, because it's not a TV edit per se, but it is on a TV show. Red! Oh, Red, where would I go? What'll I do? Frankly, my dear, I love you. Let's remarry. Gone with the Wind spoof of some kind? Yes. Oh, I was going to say the Flintstones version of Gone with the Wind? So that is the version of Gone with the Wind that is safe for senior citizens as seen on The Simpsons. Uh, (laughs) Ah, cartoon. Cartoon. So it took The Simpsons to edit Gone with the Wind? Is that what you're saying? Yes. That's pretty Of all places, yeah. Anyway, we had a couple of other ones, but we won't play them, such as Yippie Kaye, Mr. Falcon. (laughs) (laughs) Die hard. Die hard. Yes. Uh, So I'm curious to know what's coming up on your show here in just a minute. A whole lot of editing. A whole lot of overreaction, actually. It's it's an overreaction Friday, Jeff. A lot happened yesterday uh, with BYU football and guys from BYU football. There was a scrimmage at the stadium. We'll tell you what we saw, what we thought. We're going to... Give you our top overreactions, plus Taysom Hill, Jamal Williams, Bronson Kafusi and company, former Cougars in the NFL, rookies, made some plays last night. We're going to ask the question and discuss what was your, what's your overreaction, all the BYU football-related news from yesterday. We're having some fun responses. Taysom Hill did throw a touchdown pass. Bronson Kafusi had a sack. Jamal Williams had uh, four Tied. carries, 14 Tied yards. for the team lead in rushing along with Taysom Hill. Mm. 14 yards. Uh, each. So, yeah, we're going to discuss overreactions with that stuff. Well, it sounds like it's going to be an amazing show, and that is not an overreaction. Yeah. It's going to be great. I should mention other things that are going on. It's not just that. Uh, we're going to have a guy from Nesson, the New England Sports Network. He's going to tell us a little bit about Kav Inouye and the Patriots, as well as Harvey Longy, a rookie who actually started last night for the Super Bowl champs. That's exciting, and that's coming up in just four minutes and 40 seconds here on BYU Radio. We'll have a great show, you guys. Thank you. Okay. Well, as you know, to end each show, and we've had a great time here on the program today, don't you think, Cole? As we do every week. We've had some fun. We've given you exclusive trailers you're not going to hear anywhere else. We played a little game to see how well you know your edited TV films, and we learned a great deal from Neil Harmon, the CEO of VidAngel, and again, we wish them luck. And uh, speaking of VidAngel, as you know, we like to end each show with our panning for good segment. There's good in them dire hills. While we did highlight VidAngel on the show today and Neil Harmon and their efforts to bring families edited films that they can all watch together, we are aware of the fact that there are several other companies out there that are trying to do this very thing as well. Uh, not to, I mean, to mention ClearPlay, that would we need to mention ClearPlay. ClearPlay is another company that actually they do have a streaming service, but they're known for their DVD and Blu-ray players. They're starting to get more into the streaming part of it now, but uh, they have a, a player that you actually put the physical DVD or Blu-ray into it, and I don't think it's as uh, you can't get as specific with the language 
on the DVD side of things. You might be able to with the with the streaming, but you choose either like a, a light level of filtering or a moderate level of filtering or an extreme level of filtering. I've used it before. Great company. I, I believe in what they're doing too. Another one is TV Guardian. It's probably one that's not as known as well known, but it's a device that you hook in, hook into the cables. Same type of deal where you can edit out the profanity and scenes that are objectionable or offensive to you or your family. So again, we do that every week here on on I almost said spring cleaning on screen cleaning. We like to highlight all that is good in the entertainment world, and so we appreciate the efforts of TV Guardian, Clearplay, and of course VidAngel. That's going to do it for the show here today. We hope you had a good time, and we hope that you join us next week here on BYU Radio, Sirius XM 143, where you can hear Screen Cleaning, where it's our mission to bring you all that is good in entertainment.